Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this final edition of 2023 of Sports Call. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this fine program. Today, I've got Brent Daughtry with me for the full three hours as we say goodbye to 2023. We will preview what's ahead, though, as there will be a lot of action in the college football world over the next 72 hours or so. We will talk about the Music City Bowl coming up between Auburn and Maryland. We will talk about the New Year's Six coming up. We'll also talk about the playoff as Alabama, Michigan, and Texas and Washington ready to do battle on Monday come the new year. So we'll preview all of that and more in the college football world. We'll also preview a little Auburn basketball today as well as Auburn takes on Chattanooga tomorrow night inside Neville Arena. So tomorrow a busy day for the Auburn faithful. So we'll get into all of that. We'll also look back just a little bit today on 2023 and we will reveal in the four o'clock hour our sports call player of the year usually we do a player of the week well we've gotten together and brainstormed and given uh, a vote to a player of the year so we'll reveal that uh, in the four o'clock hour today and again also have maybe a few other thoughts as we rewind down 2023. If you want to give us a call on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER9. Ryan and Brant with you here on this final show of 2023. Brant Dontry, I hope you are well today. Thank you for joining me and uh, hard to believe that this year is coming to a close. Uh, I am doing pretty well, man. Glad to be here. And yeah, what what a year it's been. It's been a very eventful year for me. Uh, personally, a lot has uh, happened in my life and all good things, you know, and I'm, I'm going to look back on 2023 with a lot of appreciation and, and good memories, but I'm excited to turn the page to next year and, and see what the future has in store. And uh, I guess we're going to start it with uh, with watching Auburn play football one last time this year. Yes, uh, again with all and these, basketball and basketball with all these uh, bowl games being right around the the end of the year. It's for a lot of teams that you close the book on a complete calendar year at the same time you close the book on the full football season. So in Auburn, we'll be doing that here in just a, a couple. Uh, I shouldn't even say a couple. Uh, tomorrow, in about uh, twenty two hours from now, is when that game will kick in Nashville between Auburn and Maryland. So uh, let's start there, shall we, in this uh, final show of the year. Let's. Uh, Auburn getting some more affirmation of guys that would not play like DJ James today. Uh, They're going to be without uh, a couple linemen there, uh, mainly, I believe, Marcus Harris. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know Jason Jones committed or said put his name in the draft. I have to double-check his status. on the line there, but then also you've got a couple other DBs not playing offensively. You're just looking at some portal guys that ha- have already entered like 
uh, Malcolm Johnson Jr., Javarius Johnson, Jair Shorter, guys that may or may not have played uh, a role in this game. Certainly Johnson would have, but uh, some of the other guys, I should say Javarius Johnson, not Malcolm Johnson, but uh, the, the other guys may or may not have. So a little thin at receiver, uh, but still a team that does have their starting quarterback, their starting running back. Uh, their top one or two receivers outside of Johnson. The, the yardage was all kind of similar between Fairweather, Fair, and and Johnson. Uh, and then again with Maryland, with Talia not playing, unknown at quarterback. There might be a game where both teams trying to pound the ball a little bit. Absolutely, it, and and I think a game like that would favor Auburn. But you you look at you look at the 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 people that have opted out for both teams. The most obvious one for Maryland is Talia Tagovailoa. He is I I don't know if he's going to the NFL or if he's looking for a different landing spot and I don't think he's announced which one yet. But either way, not playing in this game and that's going to be big for them. He is I I saw it today. I didn't know this. He's the Big 10's all-time leading passer. He has more yardage than anybody who's ever played Big 10 football and uh he's been there for a while now and he's been really good while he's there. And they have really leaned into that while they've had him. Uh, they they run for yards, throw for miles. That's what they've done since Talia got there. And now they're going to have to adjust that game plan a little bit. The guy that they're starting in this game, Ben Edwards, I believe is his last name. Uh, Edwards is, go, is more of their runner. He's been their short yardage power wildcat guy this year. Uh, but he's going to get the start at quarterback for them. I believe they're also going to play four-star Cam Edge who is a, either a redshirt freshman or a true freshman this year. So a couple of guys who have just not thrown a lot of passes are going to be taking rotations at quarterback this year. And uh, it, se- it seems like uh, Michael Loxley, the head coach at Maryland, has said that they're going to use this kind of as a preview for their c- quarterback competition next year. So expect both of those guys to get regular snaps and them to just kind of ride the hot hand if they can find one. But all indications point towards Maryland's offense is – just not going to be what it has been this year. Uh, And and that's probably kind of a shame for Maryland because you look at the opt-outs for Auburn, it's most of the secondary. Uh, All of Auburn's really good players in the secondary are are sitting this game out to to either get healthy or to go prepare for the NFL draft. So I don't know. I think that's a very interesting matchup of corners and safeties who are really new and quarterbacks who really are, are new. And I think that's going to be a very interesting chess match, and I think it could lead to a very ugly game, quite frankly. Yeah, well, I mean, you, again, you look at what they called this year, if you're just going off a very base number of pass to run, they chucked it over 450 times this year. It's a lot. And all the runs, and of course, this incorporates the sacks that Talia did take. They had 349 rushes, so they threw it 100 more times, but probably more like 150 once you, you count all the sacks that they got in there. So, uh, and, and scrambles and just all that. Yep. So this was about a 60-40 pass team. This was clearly uh, a pass first team, even well into the 60s percentage from game to game. And as you say, look, Loxley would like to evaluate next year. He should. All he's ever really known at Maryland is to lead tag of Iola. And that's why the sentiment for some of these teams is more of not a referendum on – what has occurred this previous season, but also just as much a look ahead to what is about to occur the next season. Some of these coaches do take into account these games. Obviously, when you're looking at other places that don't have 
their head coach even you know it's a new situation they're definitely going to be evaluating more for next year than oh you know actually this was pretty good this past year it's like well it doesn't matter i wasn't the coach here uh, at least with with guys that are returning in the coaching staff then you might be looking forward to uh and and reevaluating from this past season but you're right when you have about three or four opt-outs and and just guys moving on and a secondary that was one of the stronger units of Auburn's team, then you'd like to be able in a perfect world to take advantage of that. And I'm not sure Maryland is in that perfect world. Now, if they're trying out quarterbacks, that doesn't mean they're going to start running 70% of the time. Uh, but obviously results may vary for them and, and be a little bit less confident what they will, will get. Talia this year was over 66% passer, 25 TDs to 11 picks and three for nearly 3,400 yards. So even though that did not necessarily amount to a boom year for Maryland, uh, they are in this bowl game with Auburn after all, but you know they still found more success than that than they did ever trying to run the ball. So that's a bit of a break for Auburn, obviously, to not have to to play that. Auburn has been favored coming into this game, really the whole process. It was seven a few days ago. It was six and a half yesterday, and it's still six and a half today. I uh, would love to know exactly what the crowd will be, but definitely think Auburn will have more there. Don't know if it'll be 60, 40, 80, uh, all the way up to 80, 20. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what that actual percentage is, but. We, we feel great that Auburn will have more people there, so they'll have that little advantage. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this game is just not going to be an accurate representation necessarily what Maryland was or was not this year. Meanwhile, for Auburn, I, I think that, look, they clearly just never found the production in the passing game this year. Uh, never found any sort of str- strung together success for the most part, even in an individual game, let alone in a three or four game uh, time frame. When you look at Peyton Thorne's overall numbers, I mean, again, it was about se- 16, 1700 passing yards in a, in a 12 game season. I mean, again, that's into the one hundreds per game. It's, it's not really logical to think all of a sudden they're going to be chucking 30 or 35 times because, again, for all the successes Auburn just had in the recruiting trail, that's not going to help them tomorrow. That will help them in nine months or starting in nine months, but it will not help them tomorrow. So I just don't see any scenario where Auburn's like, you know what, we're going to try to be balanced or we're going to even try to throw a little bit more than usual. No, I mean, I think that they are going to maybe have a specific part of the passing plan that they probably thought that Peyton Thorne had not done a great job in and would like to see some sort of progression. Like if I was was trying to coach Peyton Thorne knowing he is my quarterback next year, this game, since you could take it or leave it, I know we all want to win it, but you're six and six. I'm not going to look at this year as a success or fail in year one, depending on what happens in a bowl game at six and six. I think if you're looking at it developing Peyton Thorne, who you feel will be the quarterback next year, all right, what did he not do well this past year? What was he kind of okay at? What was he inconsistent at? Has is he starting to improve in the last month at those things? That's actually what I would focus on. I know that sounds counterintuitive because again, you play to win the game, blah. But you in this game as much, again, if he's your guy next year, 
you want to start to see improvement in the areas that you didn't have as much faith in. So I think that when they throw the ball, that does you know they can do both. They can try to win the game by running the ball a lot, but when they throw, they can try to look for progression. I, I think that they will try maybe a few things that we didn't see as much or a few things that they were not as confident in was Peyton this year. I don't know. I, I expect that we could see, uh, again, a couple of abnormal concepts in passing in this game maybe maybe not that's my pure speculation how do you think Brant that they will try to handle the offensive side of the ball well I, I think that it's kind of like with Maryland in a perfect world Auburn would love to attack uh through the air uh and I I think that the opt-outs that Maryland has had they've not had as many but their best corner Tarib still he was an all big 10 guy I think he had five interceptions this year he's opted out as well they do still have their starting safety who's uh, been starting for them for a long time. I, his name escapes me at the moment, but he, he's really good. But, uh, you know, they've had some opt-outs. They have lost their best player in the secondary. And ideally, I think, yes, you would like to see Auburn uh, <clears throat> attack through the air, and I think that that's what they want to do. I really – you you say that you think they're going to expand. I think that they're going to shrink the playbook in this game. Okay. Be, because – you have already lost so much from that wide receiver room. You're going to get so much next year that, does, like you said, does not help you tomorrow. Um, I, I don't think they're going to put anything on tape that could hurt them for next year, that they could wait until next year to show. Because, you know, it, everyone likes to win the bowl games when you're in them, but at, at the end of the day, they do not matter as much as the regular season games. And, Yes, everyone likes to win the game. You play to win the game. If you're if you're in the game, you want to win it. I get it, but you have to have kind of that forward thinking for next year as well. So I think that I do think that Auburn is going to play it rather safe here. I think you're going to see a lot of inside zone to Jarquez Hunter and Damari Austin, and I think that's going to be Auburn's game plan. Is 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 really attack at the line of scrimmage, and we have seen that Auburn can win games uh, by relying on their offensive line and. Maryland does not have the massive defensive lines that you see amongst the best teams in the Big Ten. And that, that is a place where I feel like Auburn could win that matchup and win the game playing it very safe offensively. Yeah, look, I mean, again, I think that that's why it will be interesting to see what they do because that line of thinking definitely supports the, you know, you're going to have a better opportunity to win this way. Like you're almost, not saying you're being stupid, but, you're you're opening yourself up for more negative yeah. impact by as you said you you don't have half the receiver room so you're basically throwing the Jay Fair, Rivaldo Fairweather, Camden Brown, and I, I don't know the the ghost of potentials past with with <laughs> with everyone else there. Right. So I, I mean again you that that is that is fair for sure. Um, but again, I guess that. Why I hope it, it is something that, again, it doesn't have to be. If, if Auburn runs, say, 60 plays, I'm not saying I want it 30-30. I still want, right. like, 40 runs. But in those 20 passes, I don't want 12 screens or 12 one-on-ones on the edge, you know, that sort of thing. I would like to see if a progression can be had on a yeah. couple of those passes, if a deep crosser can be connected with to Jay Fair, since Jay Fair is somebody that you might be very much using next year. And so uh, that is what I want in these small opportunities. It, but it's fair to wonder if they even have any appetite to do that whatsoever. And look, we go back to what can Auburn be successful at because this was an offense that sputtered most of the year. Well, we know that 
when I'm talking about 20 pass plays, I don't want them all to be on third and seven because then it's very <laughs> it's going to be very obvious what Auburn's going to have to do and try to do, and it's going to be much harder to accomplish that. So it goes back in the same thing. Run the ball well in early downs. Uh, eliminate the third and longs. Basic stuff that really every offense and their brother wants to accomplish, but for Auburn it's been much more detrimental to not accomplish that. The good news is that in that Alabama game, Auburn ran the ball incredibly well. They didn't oh, yeah. didn't do anything particular in the passing game. They had a couple gash plays that were available to them, but it was really running it. And for the most part, Alabama did not really stop much of it. And so that was that was really good news. So if you take that momentum and can duplicate that, again, good news. You should not be in many third and longs or or even third and mediums for that matter. So. Uh, it's in them to be able to just go out there and, and push some people around. And it's not even some SEC versus a, a, a Captain Turtle team or anything like that. <laughs> it's not even about that. It's just about you did that to Alabama when it is still incredibly hard to do that to Alabama. That means it's in there. And if anything this year, if you're looking to something positive on the field, you did see the ceiling start to grow a little bit. Like, hey, even in this really – Meh, six and six, you wouldn't take that in year three, year four, et cetera, type of deal. You saw how close you are when you play your best and particularly at home. So I think there's some good news in there. Now, can they translate it on a neutral to a team they have no familiarity with? You know, that would be a very nice end to the season. But again, with the potential of even of this just very meh team overall, there's potential to look really, really good in spurts. And so if they can. Again, assert that will. You know, if Alabama gives up over 200 rushing yards, see, you can absolutely do that to Maryland. If you're running 250, 300 yards against Maryland, then you'd lo- you'd love your chances against again a team with with a backup quarterback. Yeah, I think part of what you're talking about with them being able to run the ball on Alabama. My biggest complaint with the Hugh Freeze offense or Philip Montgomery's offense, whoever you want to attribute attribute this to, is that they just didn't have enough in the run game. Not like, oh, they couldn't execute it properly, but they just didn't have enough plays. I, I thought they were running the same couple of plays over and over again. In the Iron Bowl, you saw them add, I counted at least four concepts that they had not run all year. Um so now that you've put that on tape, you've said, okay, we have this in the playbook. I think you can expand that and or, or use that expansion. You don't have to expand it any further, but you can use those particular plays and you're not putting anything new on film. You are being more exotic in the running game. You're doing different things and you're you're making it easier on your offensive line because the defense cannot just straight up tell what is coming. Uh, and when you keep a defense guessing like that, it makes life a whole lot easier and you don't have to be able uh, to run the entire route tree to do that. You don't have to have a, a playbook as thick as a phone book uh, to make something like that happen. You just have to keep them on their toes a little bit. You have you have to have enough to where you can throw different things at them. And, and I think that if you stick with the Iron Bowl playbook, you can have similar kinds of success. All right, I'm going to do one of my favorite games, which is not incredibly productive because, again, this is perfect world and it's never a perfect right. world. but. All right, say Auburn gets 40 carries on on Saturday, which, again, that in a college game of years past, maybe 50 would be a better num- number for a team that just pounds, pounds, pounds. But I'll go conservative and go 40. What do you want that race should be back amongst Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Brian Batee, even Jeremiah Cobb, and design Peyton Thorne runs? So we'll, we'll leave the scrambles out right. of it, 40 yeah. design runs in a perfect world. What's the ratio? I think Jarquez Hunter gets about 20. I, I think that's the perfect world for him. I think Damari Austin will be second. Uh, we'll get him 
we'll get him 10. Uh, I'll say if it's 40, so that's 30. Uh, I'll say seven designed runs for Peyton Thorne, maybe six, and then we'll go three to four carries for Brian Batty. I, I like Brian Batty. I really appreciate his toughness. Uh, it just became clearer throughout the year that he works best on the edge. He's limited in the type of things that he can do. So with Brian Betty, I, I don't want him getting the ball on normal carries quite as much. So uh, I'm going to break it up with 20 for Jarquez Hunter, 10 for Damari Alston, uh, 6 or 7 for Peyton Thorne, and the remainder for Brian Betty. Okay, so yeah, I, I would say something similar. Uh, the only wrinkle, too, which I don't think it'll affect what their plan is tomorrow, but we don't know Jarquez Hunter's status for next year. Yeah, uh, He is somebody that's going to be looking into the NFL draft waters. Again, I don't think his stock is incredibly high, but he plays a position where if you have any stock, a single stock, you usually try to go uh, because of the lifespan of the running backs at the next level. So uh, if I don't know. If Hunter has a big game, does it increase your stock? Do scouts look at one particular postseason game? I don't know. Uh, but he certainly came on more in the last last half of the year. He's at about 850, 860 rushing yards in the year, so he is within uh, the scope of, of being able to perform enough uh, to, to get a 1,000-yard season if he were to have uh, a big game. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9 if you want to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today. We go to that Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony is with us. Anthony, how are you today? I'm doing good, guys. And you guys? Doing well. You know, I just want to check in with you guys. We didn't get to the t- towards the end of the year and time running out. And we're going to start a new year. And I just want to wish you guys a happy new year. And I've certainly enjoyed the uh, conversations we've had this past year and look forward to uh, all the conversations we'll have in 2024. And, uh, you know, uh, these last few days, uh, I've watched the transfer portal just like everybody else. My brother was mentioning uh, that Auburn had picked up a, a quarterback that uh, played the California Bears that uh, projected to be a wide receiver or whatnot, the second-string quarterback that we saw some uh, early in the season or whatnot. Uh, you know, that's a big pickup uh, to pick up a guy that caliber because he can play wide receiver and don't mind playing wide receiver. And, uh, you know, if you need any special gadget plays or whatnot, you can put him in there and he can do some things that perhaps maybe uh, some other people couldn't do. Uh, or if you starting quarterback went out, he could probably take you the rest of the way. Yeah, no, it was certainly one that, that caught us by surprise. You know, I, I, I would still think that it's not somebody that will end up having a big impact next year, but exactly what you said is what I think that Auburn – is probably hoping for just a little versatility, something that you can do here and there, not necessarily have to rely on it from in a game-to-game basis. And so, yeah, I mean, it could be that he ends up really not playing at all, or it could be that he uh, is a valuable part of a certain package or a certain type of play for him. But uh, it was definitely a kind of off-the-wall transfer portal because obviously you don't change positions every day, and, and we had not really heard much from the recruiting guys on Auburn being interested in him. You know, uh, somebody had mentioned, uh, I think I saw maybe on Facebook or somewhere, social media or whatnot, but somebody had mentioned that he had played with Thorne in high school or some kind of, uh, if it wasn't high school, or maybe some kind of uh, uh, all-star game or something. They had some kind of pass together, uh, was it Recreation League or somewhere. You guys heard anything? Yeah, no, it, it was high school. Uh, Peyton Thorne was the quarterback, and at that time Sam Jackson was playing wide receiver. He moved the quarterback after Peyton Thorne left that high school, but the, he was one of the wide receivers for Peyton Thorne. Oh, man, I just show you how talented this guy is. But, uh, you know, Auburn has picked up some other players, too. I think they got a defensive stud or something uh, 
within the last four or five days or last week or so, or last time we talked or whatnot, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they did, and some other players, uh, just like everybody else, uh, Alabama picked up a defensive back, uh, from Southern Cal, a former five-star or whatnot. Everybody just loading up. They're getting players they need or whatnot. I mean, that's just a great thing for a portal. If you look at it, uh, Kentucky a while ago was playing uh, Clemson, if I'm not mistaken. I was watching, so I got ready to get them something to eat. But, uh, I mean, they had the lead on over Clemson. I mean, you think about it. When you ever thought a Kentucky team with the most recent years would have a lead over a team like Clemson, who, who has won a national championship goal in the past five years or whatnot, here they had won a couple of wars, you know, a couple of championship trophies and won to dominate the conference and, and been up there with Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and, and, and you know, the teams you usually see all the time since they had this playoff. I mean, think about it. When the last time you've seen it, that show you what the power of this portal, what it's doing. Teams that, that normally wouldn't go bowling or, or barely would go bowling are now getting the kind of talent they need where they can win and be on TV and get those bowl trophies and conference trophies or get in line for something. I, I tell you, this thing is wide open, man. you got people uh, picking up everything they could possibly want. Yeah, well, I, I would actually frame it kind of more. Look what's happening when Clemson does not use the portal because uh, you know Kentucky had kind of their normal year this year. They won seven games. They were fine. Uh, they did have a transfer portal quarterback, although he had a very rough time of things in that Clemson game, especially in the fourth quarter. Uh, we were watching it here in the office too. Uh, but you know, Dabo Sweeney's biggest criticism right now out there is that he is not using the portal well enough, and and so he's still recruiting at a certain level. But even these top teams that have great foundations in in recruiting, like the Alabamas and Georgias of, of the world, they still fill fill in here and there with a portal guy. And Clemson's not been doing that at all. So that's something that I'm going to be monitoring for Clemson the next year or two is they're still recruiting fine, but but they do need to get just – doesn't have to be your whole team or even half your team, but but just get a couple of guys to, to uh, fill some plugs there. You know, some teams need more than others. But, I mean, I, I would say if you got a good, solid recruiting base like the, like the teams you just mentioned got, then I say, you know, if you can get your five players a year, that that'd probably be all right. That'd be about all you might need. But some players, some people might need twenty or thirty players. It just depends on where you are and what you got going on. But I tell you something: if Dabo don't get on the ball with this thing, uh, he ain't gonna have to worry about it because he ain't gonna have a job in anyway. Because he's gonna be out of out of uh, fall out of favor. Nobody's gonna keep him around because uh, you know they want to get back in the playoffs and they want to horse that trophy up again. And it's gonna take uh, top dog players to do that. And with that portal being the way it is now, he ain't gonna be able to load up on on uh, just regular recruiting like he has once done. Nobody's gonna be able to do that because see, people now are gonna go with who got the most money <laughs> for one thing. And I can't fault no kid. Uh, they going for money because you think about it now. Most of these kids are, are are taking these scholarships, hoping that they can get to the next league, hoping they can get that payday where they can spring mama off that job that she don't want to be on buy her home and take care of the immediate family like that. I mean, I can't fault a kid for wanting to do that. Because, I mean, you think about it, if you do make it in the pros and get all those big million-dollar contracts, that's basically what you're going to do anyway. But the only thing is now you can get it a little bit earlier. Maybe not quite the same amount, but a reasonable amount that you can uh, uh, be set for life if, if you uh, invest your money well and take care of it. So I can't even fault no kid for that. It's enough of that apple pie. We didn't talk about that apple pie and that it's enough for everybody. When you look at the billions and millions of dollars on top of millions and billions of dollars being made everywhere you can look at it, whether that be from some kind of sponsorship or uh, endorsement deal, whether it be Nike, Adidas, or, or 
or Powerade or, or some company selling any kind of football equipment or weightlifting equipment or whatever it is they want you to advertise. And then you look at ticket sales and you look at sports apparel and everything that goes in there and private donations too. There's plenty of money for everybody. And there ain't no sense in nobody being greedy and keep talking about they want to limit the amount of money the athletes should get. I mean, look at women. These Some of these women uh, that you've never heard of in some of these sports are making, uh, I mean, substantial amount of money. And they, some of them are all out there, like Angel Reese and, and, and that Livy Don down there, um, LSU gymnastics girl. I mean, hey, let everybody make it. But uh, we'll see as time goes on what players do and where they move around. I, somebody mentioned to me the other day that some team had about 20 or 30 players that opted out that were – in the rotation, some of them starters, some of them, you know, in the rotation, decided that they ain't even play in the bowl game. Yeah, we, but, yeah, it's Florida State, I believe. They, they have 19 that's okay. out, not playing against Georgia. Okay. Yep. But, you know, the other night, if I'm not mistaken, uh, USC played, and I think the starter decided he'd opt out because he wants to save himself from the pros. But look what the second strand got. Look at the opportunity they gave him to go out there and throw six touchdown passes. Look what he did. Yeah. I mean, I mean, think about it. That guy been sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, didn't the starter have another year eligibility? He was out of eligibility altogether after this season. Uh, Caleb Williams, uh, I, I don't know if he had – I think he had one more year eligibility, but he's been the forego, for, uh, foregone number one pick for a couple years now. So it was – yeah. Now think about it. Let's just say if for whatever reason he would have opted to stay. That guy behind him would have to either wait another year or either get in the portal and, and go somewhere and see can he play. But since the guy decided he's going to go ahead and go on and definitely wasn't going to play in the bowl game, you got this guy come off the bench and perform the way he did. Now, he just set himself up. Uh, being, I mean, no doubt he's the man next year for them at quarterback. They ain't got to even worry about looking for a starter. Now they just need to worry about who's going to be the backup. So they can already start game planning and getting things together and building around this guy and not have the extra stress on them. Worry about do we have a quarterback or not. And uh, certainly after that, everybody's seen that. Any kind of sponsor, anybody that wants anything endorsed, certainly going to be knocking on that guy's door, wouldn't you think? Uh, maybe so. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what USC's plans are. Obviously, you throw six touchdowns and you would, at minimum, need to be in the conversation. But, I, you know, Lincoln Riley usually goes for those big-time transfers and that sort of yeah. thing. So I, would, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't know if he's still going to look for that or not. Well, I'm certainly uh, going to look and see how that goes next year, uh, you know, and a lot of teams have left certain conferences. Some conferences have folded all together, and some trying to realign. And everybody's moving and have a super conference here and there. But it's going to be something to see uh, next year. Uh, you know, who's going to be on TV this week and who's not going to be on TV? Because I mean, are we going to be able to see all these big marquee matchups? I mean, is it going to be enough TV time, enough time of the week to get all this done? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, if we still have. The ability to because we've got three major networks still. So even though that there's kind of a more condensing in a couple of conferences, we I think there's still uh, I, I think new conferences will have different time slots. I think the Big Ten will probably maybe have a late night time slot for the first time since they'll have some West Coast teams and Big Twelve might join in too. So I, I'm sure there's some really smart TV execs that will figure that out. And I'm certain I'm certain to believe we'll see. Uh... You know, lately we've just been seeing maybe one or two Thursday night games. But I'm sure you have to have three or four now. And the same thing on a Friday night. I mean, I would assume with all these, uh, you know, big matchups, in order to get everything uh, on TV, I'm almost certain you'd have to do that. I think it's the Big 12 that might be flirting with that. But 
that will still be up to each each individual conference because right. obviously a lot of the smaller conferences go ahead and get a bunch of games done so they can get a little bit of priority and a little bit of attention throughout the the week but i don't know if the major conferences will go there if if we get so big to up to like 20 teams or something then then i think that likeliness would increase i want to ask y'all something now uh florida state the other week i mean they was talking about finding a way to get out of the acc is this a real deal that just rumors are just talking Oh no, they're really trying to do that. They're really suing the ACC, and they, they even back to August of this year. That's when it was more just talk, and they were disgruntled, but they couldn't figure out how to proceed. and And now, after their board of trustees meeting, they they are full fledged suing the ACC, trying to get out. But I heard the buyout was probably up there in a couple hundred of millions. Is any truth to that? It is, but it's also a lot of that money too is forfeited future money. So it's it's money that they have. Not they're not going to have to give out of their pockets just money that they will not receive. But but I think it's still about hundred or hundred and twenty is what they're on the hook for, and then that's why they're suing because they're trying to get that number down. Okay, so let's say everything works out and they get out of the, this uh, the ACC. Now where are they going to land? Will that be the SEC or, or who's potential suitor? Well, no, no conference has really reached out to them, and I think Florida State really would like to be in the SEC or the Big Ten. That's where the most TV money is. It's where the best competition is, the two best conferences in the land. Uh, but those two, te- those two conferences feel, have felt for the moment done. I know that they'll probably expand one of these days again, but uh, they have really not showed much interest in Florida State to this point, but I think that Florida State is banking on, hey, we're, we're going to join somebody, so you're, you're either going to get us or a conference you don't like that you compete against is going to get us. They might force one of their hands, but right now the SEC and Big Ten have been uh, standing pat. Let me ask you, would it be any benefit to the SEC if they got Florida State at this point? Uh, I think from a competition standpoint, sure. I mean, Florida State's still a, a really good program, and it, and it has uh, 30, 40 years of great history and, and that sort of thing. Now, TV market-wise, which is what these leagues look at just as much as the competition, right, not right. really because, I mean, you, you still got Florida up there in, or down there in Gainesville. Uh, Georgia, obviously, is a brand that stretches all the way to North Florida. I, I, I don't know TV-wise if, if they feel that Florida State would be a big get for them. Yeah, that's what somebody had brought to my attention, that they thought it'd be a waste of time since you already got that Florida area and you got South Carolina or whatnot. You'd have to find somebody else that was in a market that we didn't have, then that might make sense as uh, yeah, I read I read Anthony that uh, that just as much as Florida State that the SEC might be interested in someone like North Carolina or Virginia because they are they're not in those states right now. Okay, and get that market right there, then. Huh? Yeah, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be something to see where they land. But I tell you, you know, Auburn and Florida State back in the eighties had a nice little rivalry going. Sure. You know, and until um. I think Bowden got fired or whatnot, and then whatever game they had scheduled, they canceled that series and just never decided to go that route again. But it'd be nice to rekindle that. Yeah. Uh, again, Florida State would bring a, a lot of great competition for the league and it'd be a lot of great matchups. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Happy New Year, and I'll be calling y'all next week, and we're going to talk about what happens tomorrow when Auburn meets uh, Maryland. But I'm pretty sure Auburn will handle them because uh, they starting quarterback side to opt out. And, so I don't think uh, they're going to be much of uh, anything to worry about. So this will be the first meeting in 40 years when Boomer Sison came down here in 83 and uh, had a little highlight reel going. But Bo Jackson and crew went ahead and uh, took care of that. I was...
Anthony, you still there? Anthony, you still there? Sounds like we just lost Anthony there uh, at the very end of the phone call. Uh, but Anthony, if uh, you can still hear us, uh, we, we lost you there at the end. If you want to give us a quick call back during this timeout, we can do that. Otherwise, we hope that you have a very happy new year and certainly appreciate you for calling in uh, throughout this season. We'll be happy to talk to you again in 2024. We need to take our first break of the show today. When we come back, we'll get into some more college football topics as the playoff is coming up, the New Year's Six is coming up, and also got an Auburn basketball game to get to in a little bit as well. You're listening to the Friday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Want more sports call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Friday edition of the show, the final edition of Sports Call in the year 2023. Hard to believe that time has flown by. This will, again, be a pretty symmetrical occurrence for me because of when I took over the head of this show it was the first week of january of this past year so it'd be pretty easy for me to remember when when exactly i took over things and that sort of thing so it's been a fun first year along those lines though we want to continue to encourage you over the next couple of weeks if you have not already we do have a sports call survey out there on our social medias and on the website the tiger.fm and we'd really appreciate any and all feedback again i keep saying it it is a very brief survey it will take no more than five minutes of your time and five minutes of your time will greatly improve this show as we move forward into 2024. So, again, it's just nine questions. It'll take just a couple of minutes, and we really appreciate the feedback. Again, it'll be open for a couple more weeks. So if you can't get it, uh, can't get to it today, don't worry. It'll be available for you for a little bit more time. All right, speaking of time, got about six or seven minutes left here in this first hour of the show. We just talked some Auburn football. Also had a call with Anthony that got cut a little short there, but again, appreciate the phone call with Anthony and had some kind words for us at the beginning of that call, and we certainly appreciate those. Uh, as we conclude this first hour, want to go ahead and get to the second part of the Big Auburn Day tomorrow. Uh, we talked a little bowl game again in the first segment. If you ever miss anything from Sports Call from us, you can go check that out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Uh, but with the basketball side of things tomorrow night, they moved that game. It was I can't remember it was originally around the time of when I think Auburn was supposed to play football. I think. I can't quite remember. Uh, but it's become an 8 o'clock game inside Neville Arena. Uh, it's still going – I'm going to go ahead and I hope this doesn't hurt feelings. It's going to be tough for those that attend the bowl game to still make it in time. Uh, I'm just, I'm just going to be forthcoming with that. These football games do not take two and a half hours. They take three and a half hours. Uh, you get done about 4.30, 
and then you only have about three and a half hours to make it back down in Auburn again. My math says that's tough. So I might try to do it. If you if you do, again, don't don't get a speeding ticket. We'd love to have you. Uh, again, truly part of the Auburn faithful would be awesome. But going to be tough to pull the double. However, uh, fans will be keeping an eye on both. So Auburn will welcome in Chattanooga to Neville Arena. On the heels of, even though it was not a loss, it was still a 20-point win, maybe just from the optics of it, from the eye test, one of their weaker performances of the season with turnovers, with the general nonchalantness at times, just inability to score at the beginning of the game, didn't finish the game, etc. Uh, so, Brant, when you look at this Chattanooga matchup, uh, what all do you want to see from the Tigers? And, again, I think that's a pretty obvious answer, but uh, go ahead and give it to me anyway. Yeah, I, I think that this game's a lot more about Auburn than it is Chattanooga. I think you're going up against another team that is overmatched, and Auburn can probably coast and win this pretty pretty easily, but you don't want another performance like you had against Alabama State in which you had some moments where you were playing really well at one point uh, up by 31 with about five minutes left to go in that Alabama State game. But – Kind of in those last five minutes, the first minute, first five minutes and the last five minutes of that game were just a little bit too sloppy. You turned the ball over too many times. You didn't get good looks offensively. You couldn't finish. Uh, your defense was was not up to snuff. Uh, so all of that just needs to just be a little bit cleaner. Uh, Auburn's a much better team than they showed for the the first and final five minutes of that Alabama State game. And uh, other than that, Auburn did dominate. It, it was never a, a very tense game. It was never really in doubt, but just the beginnings and the ends. Be, just be a little bit cleaner. I think the three-point shooting continues to be a strength for this team. Uh, I think that playing hard is not really a problem. Uh, but just just start playing a little bit more, a little bit more focused, a little bit more well. Uh, you've had some time off. You've gotten some. Uh, you've had some time to kind of regroup, to celebrate, to be off the basketball court a little bit. Look like you're excited to be out there again tomorrow. And I, I think all all wrongs from Alabama State, however many there were, will all be forgiven. Yeah, this team is very interesting because its balance is uh, on such display. Th- this team is 38th in the country in scoring. They score about 83 points a game. They don't have a soul in the top 14, 15 in the SEC in scoring. Uh, that's how balanced it is. Uh, and so that's why I don't even look to one particular player when we're kind of doing this right now. Now, once we get in conference play, there will be specific matchups that will be very important, a guard on a guard or a big on a big, that sort of thing. But uh, for now, it's just team concepts. And look, I do think that obviously you don't want to stack bad turnover performances. They are 293rd in the in the country in terms of fewest turnovers, which means they don't turn the ball over a lot. I know it's not breaking news. They average just under 11 turnovers a game. That means only roughly about 70 teams turn it over less. So they're about top quarter of the country as far as least amount of turnovers. Uh, they've shot a good percentage from the foul line this year. They're top 100 in free throw percentage. That's even with Janai Broom shooting 6-7 a night, 8 and and struggling from the line overall. So this is a good foul shooting team. The three-point stuff, I still need to see more uh, efficiency from it. They're at 32.3% as a team. That's still just 233rd in the country. Uh, So they're still bottom half there. We all see that their ceiling is so much higher. We know when Aiden Hallway is hitting 30-footers, and we know what uh, Jalen Williams can even do as a stretch four. We know 
what Denver Jones is capable of from the three-point line, what Chad Baker Mazzara, the list goes on and on. Uh, but but they still have not strung together a lot of good three-point performances. And I feel the time is kind of now to start to do that as you transition last couple non-conference games before you play SEC teams. Like, look, you'll, you'll have some games if you keep shooting. Now, again, the average is 32%. But if you shoot six out of 24 from three, that might cost you a game in the SEC, especially on the road. So I do want them to make – more of a habit of, of trending upward uh, from the three-point line, taking quality looks, not taking the heat checks until it's time to take the heat checks, until you're looking for that back-breaking three or you've hit a couple in a row, that sort of thing. So I do want to see a little bit more of that. But, yeah, Brand, I mean, from the Alabama State game, you just want to see, a, a, again, a laser focus. You want to see it for as close to 40 minutes as possible. And you don't want the 17 or 18 turnovers that they had again. And if they do those things, then, yeah, the, the percentage would be great, but it's not going to be you know, a, a, a huge talking point. It's just the turnovers, the focus, taking care of business against a team you're going to be heavily favored against. Where do you sit uh, as far as Jani Broom as a three-point shooter? Because it's, it's very clear that it's something he wants to do. It's something that he's worked on in the offseason. It's something he was told – that he needed to do if he was going to have success in professional basketball. And for the first game or two, it looked like that that was going to be a a big part of Auburn's offense, playing that five out and and letting Janiya be at least a threat from deep, at least something that you have to honor. Since then, though, it it hasn't really worked out. Do you think that there's a shot that he gets back on track with that, or do do you think it's time to abandon it? I think that the odds are, given he's not a good foul shooter, the odds are that he's probably just not a good shooter right now, period. Yeah. And I'm not going to disqualify him from ever being able to do it because guys do all of a sudden get professionals and they, they sometimes develop it. But I think I treat him how I treat poor shooters in the NBA that still kind of want to do it. You get one. You get one open look. You're allowed to take it. If it goes in, that qualifies you to take one or two more. But if you miss it, Get away from it that game. That, yeah. That's not that's not who he is. The number behind that is right now he's shooting 19% from three. That's not good enough. He's 0.4 makes per game 1.9 attempts. So it only takes two a game. It's not like he's jacking them up. But I would say that he is allowed to, to – his own little heat test, he's allowed one open three. You make it, that gives you the right to take one or two more in the game. You don't make it, then then stay away from that perimeter. And he does not have – look, he, he has every right trying to improve his game too and, and, and try to make himself into more of a pro because that obviously is the thing that's that's kind of prohibiting him a little bit. But it's his first responsibility is obviously do what he needs to do on the college level to help himself and help his team win. And so, you know, clanking a bunch of threes, well, that's not going to help you at the pro level either, but it's also not going to help your team. And he is plenty good enough down low to impact this game, score 15, 18 points, get 10 rebounds, and be a big success. So, no, I don't think he should be really taking many threes. Um, I understand that you know, he, last year he was 29%. But which is not very good still, but I mean it's it's better than this year. So again, there's something more in there. But again, you, you take one, take a good one, and then go from there and, and not try to make it a, a key part of your game. That's that's probably what I would say there. We are out of time for hour number one of the show. When we come back in hour number two, we'll start to preview 
some of these big bowl games and the New Year's Six ahead. Also coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Year. And a little bit later, we'll look back on some fun memories from this 2023 year. Hour number one in the books. We continue after this timeout. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call getting underway right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday, the final show for Sports Call in 2023. We've certainly had a fun year. Coming up in just a little bit, we will reveal Sports Call's Player of the Year, have some other memories from this 2023 calendar year, and uh, we'll also again look ahead to the next few days of football as there's big-time bowl games and the playoffs coming up over the next 48, 72 hours or so. Again, no show next Monday for the new year, but we'll be back on Tuesday of next week. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. If you would like to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line today, we go there now for the first time in hour number two. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Doing fine. Gentlemen, thanks for asking. Thanks for taking my phone call as always. Brett, how are you doing, sir? I'm all right, Steve. How are you? Okay. Hey, this is a weekend that uh, I'm actually looking forward to when it comes to Auburn sports. Uh, I don't feel like I'm sweating anything. Uh, I could be wrong, but uh, hopefully the basketball game should definitely be a, uh, a win. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, our team from this have been reading, uh, the guys are seem to be uh, motivated. They won the uh, uh, hot wings uh uh, eating uh, contest apparently on Thursday night, Wednesday night, I think. Yeah, Wednesday night, the, the hot chicken tenders, yeah. Okay, so uh, at least uh, we won that one, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's get to it, guys. I heard Anthony, but uh, I, I was uh, uh, in the shower when I heard him talking, and I didn't know if he, did he make his prediction about either their game or uh, our game? Uh, no, he, he did not get to uh, Alabama's game. He did think Auburn was going to beat Maryland, though. Okay. Do you think it would be close, or what do you say? Uh, he he kind of he did give a score, but he seemed like Auburn would would be able to get it done pretty easily. Okay. Uh, and I heard you guys comments about how you thought the game might go. 
uh, I guess I'm expecting to see maybe 60-40, 60-40 ratio running versus passing. You think, guys, uh, that's about right, or do you think it'll be different? I think that's in range. I think they might even err on just a little bit more running, maybe a, a two-thirds running attack, 67-33, something like that. But obviously score and, and situation dictates that too. If they get in third and seven or eight, that'll be a pass down. If they get behind early, they'll probably look to a little more more passing. But but yeah, I think that their their idea is going to be to run the, run clearly more than pass. And I also read they're going to be uh, – they're giving tablets. They're going to be uh, using, I guess – Communicate with uh, to uh, look at the the plays coming up. How how are they going to be using those guys? Yeah, it's going to be kind of NFL style though with the ta- with the tablets, and uh, they're going to be able to basically look at replays and uh, informations after the fact. That's why if you ever watch an NFL game, you see the quarterback have a tablet, and maybe a coach is going over something on that tablet with them. And then the quarterback get really frustrated because he'll throw his tablet because he realizes he misread the coverage or something, had someone open. So it's more kind of instruction after the fact. And then Maryland, as you probably have read too, will be having the communication device in the helmet, which is also like the NFL. So they'll be able to talk back and forth, or not really back and forth, but the coach will be able to talk to the player and get the play call in that way, again, NFL style. Okay, so they are going to be using the helmet because I read some comments that um, from people who have used the, the helmet uh, part that it uh, was really uh, distracting. Uh, they couldn't hear uh, the, the play calls very well. Um, did you read that? Uh, I haven't seen a lot of uh, a lot of testimony about it in the in the few bowl games it's already happened in. I, I know that they're working through it. That's why this is a test phase, and and not, that's also why not everyone wanted to do it. Auburn was offered the same opportunity, but did not want to do that. So, uh, I think it's something that they're testing with full intent to bring it into the sport full time in the coming years. But based on how this testing will go, it might mandate how quickly or what changes they need to make to it. Well, here's what I think direction they ought to go into, and no one's asked me, I know, uh, but Gallaudet University, you know, the school for, for, for the deaf and hard of hearing, they have now been using, uh, for their team, instead of using hand signals and uh, picture postcards, uh, AT&T, uh, in collaboration with them, developed an on-screen uh, uh, system from where the helmet has a screen uh, either on the left or right-hand side uh, of the eye. Uh, for the uh, quarterback, and then they get transmitted uh, by the coaches or assistant coaches uh, the plays, uh, what was coming up, or what plays uh, you know they're looking to implement. So I don't know if you guys uh, knew about that. No, I, I did not. That kind of sounds a little bit like information overload to me, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, because uh, they said that way they actually it was it was, it was difficult to mess up. Because they had the play in front of them, uh, the diagram, and who was to do what. So anyway, uh, I just thought that was pretty interesting. AT&T had developed it uh, with Gallaudet University uh, research team. All right. <laughs> well, guys, uh, the uh, basketball game. I hope to gosh that we don't see the the, the, the kind of sloppy stuff that I talked about it. Uh, and what, what I can't figure out sometimes what. What possesses Aiden and some of the other players? But Aiden is a torso. They just dribble and dribble and dribble, and then the damn ball gets stolen from him. I mean, sometimes you're not able to see the play work out the way you want it to. Sometimes you're looking for a particular matchup, and 
look, I still think the ball moves way more this year than it did last year, so that's not something I've been too worried about so far. Okay, because maybe this is an anomaly, but see the, I see a, a great bit of, bit of it uh, in the last game, and then they had a jump ball several times because um, we couldn't hold on to the ball, and I uh, said, God, come on, you can throw it to somebody, you know. All right, um, so apparently the uh, that are the uh, the uh, the um, Dodge Chargers are no longer available uh, for Alabama players as an incentive. Um, if someone posted that on uh, our website at Two Four Seven Sports, uh, the last Dodge Charger uh, went off the assembly line last week. So I, I guess I expect um, Nick Saban got to go to some other uh, model car, Mercedes maybe. I don't know. But wasn't Dodge Charger a very popular car for a lot of recruits? Uh, yeah, to my knowledge, I think they they used it some. Uh, again, I don't know what the what the new vehicle of choice will be for all these schools. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it was a, a a funny moment there and uh, goodbye to a legendary call, uh, car in the college circle. Yeah, very good. All right, and to make it even more funnier, apparently when Auburn seems to be maybe uh, starting to, to to do you know, to do better in uh, particular sports, especially in football. It seems to get the attention of Alabama fans because on their 247 Sports website, uh, came to my attention, one of the posters had a headline that caught my attention. It says, it's time to put a stop to NIL cheating, especially, hold on, by Hugh Freeze. I started laughing when I saw that one. So he said that Hugh Freeze is up to his old tricks. So what are his old tricks, guys? I, again, I, everyone's going to accuse everyone the second they recruit well of that. There's a lot of things that people are not going to like that they're going to accuse one of cheating, even though the, the same school does it themselves. It's, it's I, I really don't have any appetite to talk about people wildly alleging things that may or may not be true, but also the other schools may or may not be doing as well. I just I think it's hilarious, you know. If they think we're cheating, just because we flipped one of their commitments, right? Well, I mean, I think technically everybody's cheating under what NIL is supposed to be. I mean, if we're if we're being completely honest, so I mean, you can point the finger at someone and be correct, but have four fingers pointing back at you, and I think that's, that's really the case yeah, going on right now. That's what that's what I'm saying. You know, really, you're going to point out uh, Hugh Freeze's first year as somehow he's cheating better than you are. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, the, they're all they're all doing something. All right, so we got the NFL games coming up, guys, and I know we've already talked about Tampa has got to win one of the last two two games, correct? Yeah, it was one of the last two. Yeah, one of the last one two. One of the last two. Yep. All right, or else there's chaos. Yeah, or else uh, Saints or Falcons, all all sorts of scenarios. But uh, yeah, Tampa can't win if they don't win one of the last two. But if they do win one of the last two, they do win it. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, I'm really glad to know that. You have survived your probationary period for this whole year. So management has taken you off probation. Is that right, uh, Ryan? I, I wasn't aware I was ever on probation, but uh, yeah, no, okay, we're so, still in good graces. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, typically people, you know, when they're uh, in a new position, they're on probation for a while. So I was <laughs> trying to be humorous <laughs> with you. Yeah. No, we're we're all good. No probation. No all more right, probation. Good, good enough. About the uh, survey, uh, I've already done it, but can you do it more than once? Uh, we would rather only people that that do it uh, do it once. Uh, if you have anyone else that you know listens, even if if they only kind of listen, uh, they are more than welcome to do it. But just for the sake of not uh, not making sure the numbers look a little skewed or anything like that, we'd really prefer people to only do it once. 
Okay. Well, I was trying to skew them for you in your favor. <laughs> so, uh, so with that said, then I won't do it then. All right, guys, my time is up. I do thank you for your time and time this year. Uh, gosh knows how much uh, you've had to put up with me and the rest of the callers, too. But I, I thank you for all the hard work you do uh, on the not only show but behind the scenes. So to you and the rest of the gang, a happy, happy New Year. And uh, to all the callers and listeners, hope everybody has a happy and safe New Year. And uh, we'll do this again on Tuesday. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. So until then, guys, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, and we appreciate you calling throughout 2023, and we hope you have a very happy New Year as well. That is Retire Ward AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Let's grab one more phone call before we hit our next time out. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is joining us. Matt, how are you today? Uh, what's up, Ryan? What's up, Brent? Not much, man. How about you? Fine. Hey, what do you guys think about like uh, the game tomorrow night and then uh I saw that we got uh, one of Peyton Thorne's uh, former um, high school teammate uh, that he used to play high school with. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, so first with the basketball game, I think it's a game that Auburn absolutely should win. Uh, I, I think it's a game they're capable of winning by 15, 20, 25 points if they play well. Uh, keep uh, keep taking care of the ball a little bit better. And so I, I, I'm very confident in Auburn to be able to win on Saturday. I think Chattanooga will score a little bit, but I think Auburn will outscore them pretty easily. As far as Sam Jackson, the fifth, that's the quarterback from Cal transferring to Auburn. He did play wide receiver for Peyton Thorne in high school for a year, and uh, now he's going back to wide receiver. So we'll see if there can be a, a new connection kind of form there at that receiver position. But I also think the expectation should be a little bit low for him. Uh, another question. I heard that uh, Marilyn uh, Tula's brother's not playing uh, tomorrow. Is uh, Tula's brother, is he hurt? And what year is Tula's brother? No, he's a senior and he's just opt- He's just opting out. He's ready to try and have a pro career if he can have one. So, yeah, no, he's not hurt. He's just He, he opted out a couple weeks ago. I thought uh, like another thing is, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this, I, I was looking at the uh, for the NFL for the rounds, and they said that Bo Nix might get the first round in the NFL. And if he does, who gets the first pick with the, for NFL? Yeah, so he, he wouldn't be the first overall pick, but he would be somewhere in pick one through – or, you know, four or five through 32. So he would be a first-round pick, just not the first overall pick. So it's kind of hard to tell. It depends if he lands as third, fourth, or fifth on people's uh, draft boards in terms of quarterbacks. If he's third, then he could end up being the fifth, sixth overall pick somewhere in there. If he's closer to fifth in the quarterback position, he'll probably be 20s or somewhere in there. So uh, it kind of really depends on who will need a quarterback and who will be selecting who. But he he does have a really good chance to be a first-round pick. But who do you think will probably pick on? You think it's probably the Falcons or the Colts? Uh, again, I think I want to see where exactly these teams are drafting first because some teams might need a quarterback but be too far back or be be very far forward and maybe grade someone else is different. Uh, I, I haven't thought too much about the, the right fit for him, but again, I think it would probably be somewhere in the teens that he would get drafted, again, just depending on where he's evaluated in terms of third, fourth, or fifth. Hey, Ryan. Yeah. Are you going to do the game? Are you going to the game tomorrow night? I am not. Brent, are you going? I'm also not going. 
Do you know is Do you know is Brooke or JJ going? Uh, I think JJ will be there working the game, and then uh, Brooks is not in this state right now, so he will. Uh, he'll not be there. So, hey, how's Tom behaving? Uh, to our knowledge, very well, and uh, we hope he keeps it that way into 2024. Yeah, hope hope he does. If he don't behave, I have to find him. Yep, and uh, he and he's aware of that. Hey, how, how's Cam? Have you guys talked to uh, my man, man Devon Reed, and did you guys ever? Did you guys like uh, Ryan? Did you ever give Boots for my message? Uh, yeah, I've not been able to talk to Bruce Pearl. We don't have the uh, the open line of communication uh, each and every week. But uh, yeah, when uh, whenever I am able to talk to him in 2024, I'll be able to tell him that. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Trevon's doing well. We've I know JJ's chatted with him recently. I've not I got an opportunity in a little while. And then uh, as far as Cam, yeah, Cam Cam uh, Cam's doing well. He's on vacation right now, and I think he's having a good time. Well, hey. Hey, uh, Ryan and Brent, if you got, like, uh, well, Brent, I don't know if you heard, when I was doing the, uh, when I called Monday, I was doing, like, the, for Bruce Pearl on the 10th season, like, the coach of, like, uh, of the Auburn Tigers and men, Bruce Pearl. So, so, Ryan, if you ever talk to Bruce Pearl, tell him I said, for the Auburn on the 10th season on the plane, Auburn basketball, the Auburn's men basketball, Bruce Pearl. Tell him that it is from his friend, Matt. Yep, so, we will do that if we're and, able to talk to him. And tell, and tell him to call me on my dad's phone because, like I said, I wanted to come and shoot around practice and stuff like that. If if one of his assistant coaches can meet me at the, like, the doors and stuff like that, and... um. And and stuff. I would sit around. I just haven't had time because I've been doing bowling practice. I got bowling practice coming up, like uh, January the eighth. Got swimming practice coming up. I got swimming coming up. I got my first swimming is uh, January the nineteenth uh, in Birmingham, and then I got one in April at the sports complex. I, I'm gonna try to do the hundred meter freestyle. I gotta get in shape and stuff. So I just need all the luck I need and for both of the swim meets, and I need to start working out and and stuff. So, but like, I just wanted to. Uh, I just heard War Down Steve a minute ago. Hey, War Down Steve, I want to wish you happy New Year, buddy. And um, and uh, and stuff. So, but uh. Let me tell you something, Wardown Steve. Family fans can say anything about us Auburn fans that we cheat. We really don't cheat. The only person that cheats is Bama fans. And this, in this statement, he's, he, he cheats. He's cheating against Michigan right now. And so, so, but wait till next year. We'll be Bama next year. They just got lucky this year. We'll get them next year. Uh, you guys, Happy New Year, and I'll, and I'll try to talk to you guys Tuesday. If I don't, it'll be the following Monday. Happy New Year, you guys, and, like, you guys have a safe trip. You guys have a safe night. Watch out for those deer. All right. We will certainly do that. Happy New Year, Matt. All right. See you guys. Bye. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Wish him and his family a very happy New Year into 2024. We need to take another timeout on the show when we come back. 
and we'll get into the previews of what's ahead the next few days in the college football world. It all comes down to these next few days. We'll be back with more right after this. Sports Call Crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday edition of the program, the last show of 2023. We certainly appreciate all those that have been tuning in and calling in throughout this year. As we continue on with the show today, and we do one or two things in review of this 2023 year, something we've done all year long has been Sports Call's Player of the Week. We've always kind of taken a team vote with Sports Call, and a lot of times it's been Auburn athletes, but sometimes it's been Braves, sometimes it's been National Football League or uh, MLB or NBA, just whatever was big at the moment. And, of course, we voted on that all season long. We got together uh, earlier this week and voted on a player of the year. And with that, we it's time to reveal this year's Sports Call Player of the Year for 2023. Sports Call's Player of the Year. Acuna had the best season of his career for the Atlanta Braves, registering the first ever 40 home runs, 70 stolen base season in baseball history, leading the Braves to 104 wins on the year to win their sixth straight NL East title. For a statistical first, Acuna was unanimously voted as most valuable player of the National League, the first of his career. Ronald Acuna Jr. is Sports Call's Player of the Year. You might have heard of him. Uh, you might have heard that he had a great year, as Brent just said. Ronald Cunha Jr., a unanimous MVP from the National League, he is our Sports Call Player of the Year. The Braves as a team in the regular year, uh, which is how you win an MVP, it's for the regular season, uh, had a awesome regular season, won 100 games, won another division, and Acuna was, I think, just very fired up for his first full year of full health in a few years after tearing the ACL in 21 when they actually won the title. He played last year but was not himself in 2022 very often. Well, he was himself all year long, uh, and it was very special to watch. It absolutely was. Uh, when, when Ronald was coming up, you could tell just how special he was, and he had these flashes of just – brilliance and looking 
like he had the potential to be the best player in the league. And well, we we were kind of robbed of that in 2021 with the ACL tear. And then he came back in 22. And like you said, just was not himself. Clearly could not run full speed. Uh, it, it didn't have the the defensive acumen that people had kind of come to expect from him that one year. This year, uh, his I think he, yeah, he's age 25 now. Um, and this was the first year where he's been in the league. He knows how it is. He's adapted to it. He's leveled up his game to play along with the speed. And this this is the first year where he can truly reach his full potential. And he did not disappoint. I mean, you heard it in my, my recording there. 40 and 70. 40 and 50 had never been done before. And the guy got to 40 and 70. He's, And I understand that the bases are larger and that helps out a lot. But still, they are not so much bigger that stealing 30 bases is nothing. Um, <clears throat> it, it truly an incredible accomplishment from that kid. And as I said earlier, he is only 25 years old. He's got a lot of baseball left. I don't know if he'll ever have a single season that is this impressive again, but it's not off the table. And that's what's really impressive to me about Ronald Acuna Jr. is there's no guarantee he'll do 40-70 again, but there's no guarantee he won't. And I'd I'd be kind of surprised if we look back in 20 years and Ronald Acuna Jr. is done playing baseball and this is the only MVP that he won. Look, I mean... As you said, I heard, and yeah, sometimes you don't need to give credence to social media arguments, but I'm giving it one a little bit right now because I certainly heard it too. The bases being an inch or two bigger had nothing to do with this, folks. If you want to say that, okay, maybe it empowered him to desire to run more, sure. He led the major leagues in stolen bases. It's not like everyone did this. Only three players. He had 73 in the year. Only three players had 50-plus. It was not like everyone all of a sudden ran rampant, the floodgates opened, and you could never catch anybody, and everybody and their brother ran. Uh, So leading the league, if it was so easy, you would have had 20 people steal 50 bases. You would have had someone have more than Ronald. Ronald's probably not who I would say is the absolute fastest player in the league. He is up there. But there are a few others. That Ruiz kid from Oakland is unbelievably fast. He's very little, uh, (laughs) but he is very fast. I'd argue Uh, that Ronald Acuna Jr. is not the fastest player on the Atlanta Braves. It's very possible he's not even that. So... Let's not do this because the base was a little, again, a fraction bigger that this enabled this record-breaking performance. If he had 40 and 41, maybe we could talk, have a conversation about it. He had 73 steals. It led the league, and uh, it was an incredibly impressive season for Ronald. Again, I think that it, it – I'm going to be fascinated to see how he is next year too, not trying to get ahead of myself, but because I think that a lot of this motivation was he felt internally frustrated – that they won the title without him, that he came back the next year, and that his body was not 100% and that he was not able to contribute the way he wanted to. I think he was a man on a mission this year. So I also think that short postseason exit is going to continue to fuel him. And so uh, I'm very much looking forward to him next year. You're right. I'm not going to set the over-under at 73 steals again or – or at uh, some record-breaking performance. But he's going to be one of the best players in this league for the next eight to ten years if he's healthy. And so uh, Braves are certainly blessed to have him, and he's certainly worthy of Sports Call's Player of the Year designation. All right, let's get into some more college football now. We were previewing some games yesterday for today. Uh, We've seen them come and go 
We saw uh, last night two top 25 matchups. Kansas State beat NC State 28-19. We saw Arizona uh, had a lead, lost the lead. Oklahoma came back, and then a decisive fourth quarter for the Wildcats. Arizona beats Oklahoma 38-24. And that's going to continue the conversation of what Oklahoma really is when Dylan Gabriel's not the quarterback for them. Uh, And then today we had uh, one of just – uh, just a, a, a beautiful ball between Clemson and Kentucky. <laughs> There's just no no other words for it. A truly back-and-forth affair. Two teams that really wanted it. Uh, two teams that had a few more starters and a few more players playing than maybe the average team. Uh, Leary and Ray Davis were playing for Kentucky. Uh, you had for uh, Clemson, Clay, uh, Cade Klubnick, excuse me, playing. You had running back Will Shipley playing. Uh, it, you had uh, – Fossa, the, the backup playing. You had a lot of these skill position guys playing. I can't speak for their interior lines and that sort of thing, but on the surface had a lot of skill position uh, players playing. And again, uh, 38-35 Clemson win and one that uh, looked like each team had at separate different points in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really kind of a defensive meltdown in the fourth quarter for both teams. There was a combined 42 points in just the fourth quarter of that game. It was up to that point just a relatively normal, good football game between two decent teams, but that fourth quarter got a little insane. Uh, I think there were three turnovers by Kentucky, including the interception that, uh, goodness, quarterback at Kentucky. Uh, uh, Devin Leary. Devin Leary, thank you. I tried to say Devin Singletary at first, (laughs) running back in the NFL. Right, right. But Devin Leary throwing that last second interception to seal it, um, three turnovers by Kentucky, and they still had a chance to win the game uh, in that fourth quarter. It just a wild and crazy game. There were two possessions back-to-back where Kentucky ran six plays and scored two touchdowns in between uh, giving up a touchdown of their own to Clemson. It just, towards the end, became very much a shootout between two teams with exhausted defenses. Um a lot of fun and just kind of the the craziness that you expect when you get into bowls and you, you start having these weird matchups. And man, I tell you, you, people say that bowl games don't matter. Go and watch that game. Look at the way the players react. It go back to to the games last night. I mean, the the Pop Tarts Bowl. I remember. Yes, the the most insane thing about it is that they had the mascot dressed up like the Pop Tart. And his wish was to die and be eaten, and that was kind of weird, but it was also very entertaining. And but the game itself was a lot of fun too. And just I think we're, we're really getting into the season. And I know we had Notre Dame just won their bowl game by seventy. It felt like, um, but we're getting into the time of year where you're having these big time teams facing each other in really close and fun bowl games. And this, when people say bowl mania. This is the type of this is the stretch that they're talking about. We've had some really fun stuff and continue to do so. Now we're watching Memphis and Iowa State here in the studio, which is uh, it's still still not a super close game, but entertaining. You know, there's a way Iowa State could come back and take this. But it, th- this is the time of year where there's we talked about it yesterday. There's a bowl game on in every time slot. Sometimes there's two. And it's just a lot of good football to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And that continues tonight with the first New Year's Six game, which we talked a little bit about yesterday, Ohio State-Missouri. They still won't tell us for sure if Marvin Harrison is playing or not playing. I, I would think he's not playing. That's my educated guess. But uh, they, they have been coy about it. And I guess the only reason you're coy about it is you value – either he really had not made a decision or you value – 
the game enough to where you want to try and trick Missouri a little bit, I guess. But uh, you got that starting off the New Year's Six tonight, and then tomorrow, you obviously with the Auburn game, but then you've got Ole Miss, Penn State, and the Peach Bowl, and you got Georgia, Florida State, and the Orange Bowl. Yeah, in Georgia and Florida State, I'm I'm upset that that has kind of turned into what it is with Florida State, and most of their players are leaving. Hey, they're headed for the NFL or the portal, and that's you know, that's really unfortunate. But I do think that uh, that Penn State Ole Miss game is going to be a lot of fun. I think those are two teams that are really good. Um, and just outside of the playoff picture, you know, they're both uh, ten and two, eleven and one on the year, something like that. I, I know Ole Miss is ten and two. I think Penn State is also ten and two. I'm getting confirmation from Ryan right now. He's vigorously nodding his head. Um, so I really think that this is going to be a lot of fun. I think they're two teams that try to win games in very different ways, and you always say that uh, styles create fights, right? And so you're having uh, a matchup of two very different styles going against each other in Atlanta. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that game a lot. And once we get into, I don't know, talking season, off season, summer, spring, summer, I don't know, whenever we start to really look – at 2024 and, and really only 2024, Ole Miss is going to be a team that is going to be talked about a lot because mm-hmm. of the work they've done in this portal. Uh, they have, they're going to have one of the top two or three portal classes. When all is said and done, they got Walter Nolan, the big-time defensive lineman from Texas A&M, uh, amongst other things. And so they're, they're going to be someone that is the definition of momentum in the offseason, especially, too, if they can also win this game. Uh, this, as you said, is a beautiful contrast of styles. I like these games. Uh, it's kind of the way we think of SEC versus Big Ten football. Now, SEC football has evolved a little bit. I mean, SEC uh, has certainly opened up with more spreads, just like any other conference, whereas the Big Ten has, has kind of dived even further into, no, we are going to be stuck in the mud, and we're going to play assignment football, and we're not the- worried – as much about athletes. The, the Big Ten has really become the early 2010s SEC. It's like the the, the the SEC has become the Big 12, and the Big Ten has become the SEC. And it's just I, – I think it's interesting how football has become cyclical in that way. But you, you've got a team in Ole Miss that really tries to go as fast as possible. They obviously, as a team, have achieved a lot of balance over the, the last couple of years. Uh, they you can't really label them as just a runner and pass team. They'll use Judkins, they'll use their running backs, but then also they'd like some deep balls with Dart and <clears throat> and uh, their quarterback play is very important to what they do. Uh, and then Penn State is a team that to me is just kind of the a, a better. Ver- I, this might be disrespectful. I don't care honestly. This they they might be a better version, a more watchable version of Iowa, where they certainly don't have the offensive weaponry that they need to go up and either overwhelm Michigan's defense or compete with Ohio State's truly good skill stuff, uh, but that they still are a more appealing brand of it, that they're more consistent. They beat everyone not named Ohio State-Michigan on almost a yearly basis. Uh, they also play some pretty good defense. But this is, again, a, a team that is very different from as you said most teams in the sec because outside of georgia and alabama like i I know those kind of carry the banner for the conference most years but the rest of the league is not really conforming to the 
gritty 17-7 type of game. And and it was never maybe that low scoring in prime SEC circles, but you know, 24 to 13 and you really had to do something special and that sort of thing. You know, Florida's not that way anymore and LSU's not that way anymore. You used to line them up, I form, same damn run toss play <laughs> on fourth and goal every Leonard, single Leonard time. Leonard Fournette just straight up the middle for 17 plays in a row. Right. And now you watch LSU, and Jaden Daniels is running one way. LSU's defense is running the other, and you just, <laughs> just they're on the field at the same time somehow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I mean, outside of the top couple teams in this league, this this league has become more offensive, and Ole Miss is a a perfect example of that for what they try to do. And I know they hired Pete Golding; he was fine. They were fine. They're not just god awful defensively like they were when Kiffin first got there, but certainly not. The strength of their team, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. And then that Georgia Florida State game too. I think everyone can just agree. You're just hoping Florida State just doesn't get mauled. Yeah, uh, they may very well just get just obliterated. They got 19, 20 players out. I I I I found it at one point and I lost it again. But it was something like their top three running backs, their top two receivers, obviously QB two, which would have been their starter Rodemaker, couple offensive linemen, a couple starters on defense. They're basically down to I think half or less of their starting players, and then even in a couple of those positions, they don't have their backups either because of the running backs and quarterbacks. Uh, and and already at full strength, even if they had everyone not named Jordan Travis, people would not have loved their chances. And even if they had Jordan Travis, I think people would still favor Georgia. It would not be overwhelming. It would be like a 14-point line or anything. But I think that if you had full-strength Georgia, full-strength Florida State, you'd probably still favor by Georgia by a field goal or so or five, six points on a neutral field. So with all that, I'm very disappointed, and I know Jeff called in about it yesterday too, that he barely even cares anymore about it. It's just it this game is kind of the we've had a lot okay, we've had a lot of great stuff earlier in this bowl season so far that justify the forty plus games, that justify why college football's still awesome and, and great storylines and all that sort of thing. This game might be the poster child of this cycle of the dangers of going too far the other way on, on certain things. I don't know quick thoughts on that or on Georgia for just just the game as a whole if you don't want to go deep dive, but Again, to me, this looks like something where this is the dangers of going all the way to people's worst fears and having a game which between is number five and number six in the final rankings. Like I think Jeff said it yesterday. Like on the surface, this should be the you left me out, screw you guys bowl. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, you left us out, so I don't I don't care bowl as what it's become. So I think it's it's disappointing. I, I really wish this game would have been Full strength versus full strength. I do too. I, I think that a full strength matchup between these two teams would lead to a really good football game. I, I think that they're two very evenly matched teams. I would also argue that if Florida State was at quote unquote full strength, then they'd be in the college football playoff over Alabama right now. But we all know what happened and we all know why, and we don't need to rehash that. I, I just think it's, I, I'm like you, I think it's sad that, it, that it's reached this. I think this is. This is the lump that we're going to have to take. Those of us that want this many bowl games and also expanded playoffs and stuff like that, we're going to have to look this game in the face and go, "Yeah, this sucks. This is not this is not the product that anybody wants." And there there are not a whole lot of ways to counteract this. 
other than, you know, take injuries out of football, which is never going to happen just because of the nature of the sport. And I, I think it's sad, but it, it, it is just one of those things we're going to have to deal with. I don't know what the answer is or if there is an answer to be had. Yeah, again, because I think you, you certainly have to allow certain things here. Again, I, I'll keep preaching about the calendar. Uh, that's something that Kiffin has talked a lot about right. Ole Miss in recent recent days. But also, if you go back a couple of years, he's already talking about it then too. And I think everyone, just some some coaches don't choose to speak out about it because they might know the futility of that. But I mean, it is it, the concept of having to decide if you're in the portal the day after bowl games. Like that, that sets up a system in which you gotta kind of not play the bowl game if you want to move on, and and so that part of it's rough. And I get that they time it that way. I think that again, you can start the very next semester, so you can start January eight or nine, ten, eleven, whenever school starts for the school. Like you get in, decide you can enroll, you can start, and and that helps you with your schooling. Great, awesome. Uh, but they're not making these decisions based off schooling. You're fooling yourself if you think you know what. I really like A&M's engineering better. I want to go there. Sorry, TCU. I'm out. Going to A&M for engineering. You're not doing that if you're going in the football transfer portal or the basketball transfer portal. So I I think that football is probably needing to have a different timeline. And if you want to keep the timeline for the other sports, fine, because I'm not aware of the clear and present dangers of these other sports. Volleyball's ended. A volleyball ended a few weeks ago. If you want to talk about a volleyball player that wants to start school in January and go ahead and get the portal, fine, because the season's ended. It's over, been done with for a couple weeks or a week or two. Uh, so I'm not aware of another sport that would be this polluted, I guess, by the, the timeline that's in place. And so now you get, again, a game that really I want to say that the college football consumer is robbed of because you would want to see, even without Jordan Travis, you would want to see everyone else for Florida State going up against Georgia with everyone playing in that game because, it, Lord forbid, Florida State won that game with Georgia. Now, some of the conversation creep up, did they really care and blah, 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 the things that you do whenever your team loses a bowl game. But you could say, well, care or not care, they got hit in the mouth and they didn't respond, and that team wanted it bad, and so kudos to them. That's at least something. It's hard to draw a lot or a lot of nothing really out of out of this type of game. Uh, and so, again, it is disappointing. Uh, that one will be something I will still turn on. I will not be dedicated to. If it's 21-3, to mid-second <laughs> quarter, I'm probably out. Uh, but it's I'm going to watch at least the first part of it. And uh, if Georgia's motivated, they could just try for TCU 2.0. They won't get a big shiny <laughs> thing for it, but uh, they certainly will have the power to uh, win that game pretty uh, pretty easily there. Uh, the other bowl game tomorrow is the, uh, again, the Barstool Sports Bowl, which is the CW Network, which is a game, uh, Toledo and Wyoming. I hope it's entertaining. I can't promise I, I'm very impressed by Toledo in that they are what they are as a program and have managed to have a really impressive season. I'm sure I will throw that one up on one of my smaller screens and we'll see what happens. You know, <laughs> if if it turns into a great game, then cool, I'll pay attention. If not, then you know, whatever. The the danger there is look, you the, I, I I've been a little I I jumped the gun just a little bit when I said every time slot every day. <laughs> because those two games are three and three thirty, so they'll be done by seven. 
and they're doing that to get out from the from the shield because of the Cowboys and Lions game that's tomorrow night. So I, I have led some astray, and I apologize for that because there's not going to be a night window college football game tomorrow. That's fine if you live in Auburn, Alabama, which we do, because then you just watch Auburn basketball, and you're fine, and football's a sport. Hopefully you're celebrating the Music City Bowl victory. If not, you're on to basketball season, yep. and it'll work out fine. But there is not a college football game tomorrow night, so I did want to clear the air on that. There is not a game, obviously, on December 31st. Again, the Shield, it rules. Uh, the, the dominating of ratings it made by the way in a side note i'm not trying to make this some bigger thing about the nba i don't have some bigger take on the nba but it just took the nba to the woodshed in terms of christmas ratings and christmas day nba is one of the select days of the year where everyone usually focuses a little bit more in the regular season uh and uh, <laughs> It was like 27 or 28 million people watching football. It was like 5 million people watching basketball. I was like, 5 million, that's good. I mean, that's good for a regular season game. I'm not sure how it stacked up to other Christmas Day games. Uh, But, yeah, it was a fifth or less, depending on the game, of what the Shield did. So, again, college steering clear of the Shield on Sunday. So that's why you won't have a December 31st game. But then Monday, January 1st, and we won't have time to talk these games right now because I've had a break in about two minutes, but I'll go ahead and give you the menu. 11 a.m. ESPN2, it's Wisconsin, and number 13, LSU. No Jane Daniels, but Nussmeyer's going to – Should be fun. Uh, Nussmeyer's going to be involved in the quarterback battle next year. He might very well be LSU's quarterback, so still worth watching. 12 o'clock ESPN, it's number 23, Liberty, number 8. Uh, as Oregon will play in that one. Bo Nix is playing. Ducks by 30. Uh, they are favored by 16.5, so they might very right. well win by 30. Uh, number 17, Iowa, will punt against number 21, Tennessee, who will try <laughs> not to punt. That one's also at Dude, noon. Yeah, I, I talked about the stylistic matchup between Ole Miss and Penn State. That's like the the steroid version of that matchup with Tennessee and uh, Iowa. Yes, as well. Uh, so those three games going on. Uh, between 11 and noon there. So we'll have have a need for a multiple TV setup right there. And then that paves the way for 4, four o'clock, the Alabama-Michigan game, which on the surface, a little surprised it's not the second game. Uh, would have thought they might put the two big brands at the nightcap, but uh, again, good for mixing it up, honestly. So that's the 4 o'clock game. And then the 745 game is Texas and Washington. And look, if Alabama-Michigan is close with how long these damn – games take sometimes i mean we'll be we'll be going right up until kickoff of important football if that game is any close at all so we're gonna have five minute commercial breaks every seven minutes of game time that's just just buckle up get ready for that i still never saw that's something i'm gonna seek out in 24 i still never saw the actual figures on pace of play how long these games took it sure didn't feel shorter i i could have sworn it was the actual broadcast was the same exact length but there were six or seven less plays a game. Right. So you're getting less football, but the broadcast is not any shorter. Which I talked about. Like, I can understand. Like, I'm fine if you keep the plays around five, six, seven less. That's fine. Right. But prove to me that you did something with it. Mm -hmm. You proved to me you did, and it's not the thing I wanted you to do do with it. You're making us watch more of the things that we don't want to watch. It's actively hurting the product. Yep. So that's that feels like that will be a large part of our over the summer conversation leading up to this. Very much so. So I will be seeking those out in 2024 to get the real truth 
behind <laughs> the, the rule change a sports call exclusive coming your way in 2024 we are out of time here in hour number two still got one more hour ahead we will preview the games we just mentioned there going on january 1st we'll also circle back to the auburn game as they get set for the music city bowl tomorrow at one o'clock in nashville we'll also give some final thoughts on this year in sports this year in sports call as 2023 winds down. You're listening to the final edition of Sports Call in the year 2023 on Tiger 95.9. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan Lavoy, the host of this show. Brant Dontry joins me on this Friday, and we have one hour left of the show today and for the year 2023. Again, it's something to process. One full year of this in the host seat and just another year overall uh, gone by. And uh, just remember taking over this show in January of last year or of this year and thinking, man, just we're, we're all the way up to football season from, from this point on, we're going to be thinking about at least in the back of our minds, man, can't wait for football to come back and, and that sort of thing. And we've had one full cycle of it now. So it's kind of uh, pretty crazy for me personally to think about, but uh, going to enjoy this last hour here of 2023. Again, reminder, no show on the first day, of 2024 next Monday, but we will be back with a live edition next Tuesday. And looking at our schedule, we'll have no shortage shows on the first week of 2024. That will start to come in the second week with more Beauregard High School basketball. We will have our first Smith Station broadcast of 2024 at the end of next week. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9 to join us on the orthopedic clinic phone line. For now, we do a real quick version of the Sports Call 5 at 5. It's presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harn and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends, and Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you are looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts 
at 334-707-4273 or find them online at sclandgroup.com. We already went over these games just in terms of the schedule. We have not talked about them yet, but our Sports Call 5 at 5 is, again, the five games on New Year's Day, starting with number one, Wisconsin playing number 13, LSU, followed by number two, number 23, Liberty playing number eight, Oregon. Again, Bonex will be in that one. Number three, number 17, Iowa taking on number 21 in the Citrus Bowl. Number four, Alabama and Michigan in the college football playoff, the first semifinal game that due for a four o'clock or thereabout start. And last up on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Texas and Washington, the 745 game on New Year's Day. So we'll start non-playoff games first, Brant. Again, Wisconsin, LSU, Liberty, Oregon, Iowa, Tennessee. A bunch of ranked teams obviously involved there, including two games with SEC teams. What do you like? What uh, What's going to be most intriguing to you? I think the most intriguing thing to me is whoever is, is how good LSU looks without Jaden Daniels. I think that's the first big thing. I mean, the, the guy was – the most outstanding player in football won the Heisman Trophy and and is off to the NFL and LSU's <clears throat> LSU has kind of built their entire season around him because Lord knows they didn't have a defense to lean on. So now that he's gone, what what is the solution, right? What's the next What's the next piece of the puzzle look like? How does that offense look without Jaden Daniels? Can they truly be a good football team? Without him, you and I had a discussion a little while ago, or, or a couple of months ago, maybe at this point, where we talked about the first step to getting a name as a good coach is to having a is is having a good roster and having the good quarterback to center it around. If you're an offensive guy, the next step is having more than one good quarterback uh, because you, anybody can look good with a spectacular quarterback. But if you if you are able to do it with multiple guys, all of a sudden it becomes more about the coaching staff, right? Um, so what, what can Brian Kelly do when he doesn't have Jaden Daniels at the helm? Uh, are, are they still as explosive a football team? Are they still winning games even if they do it in different ways? What are, what are the different ways they can set themselves up for success? So I think, I think that LSU starts that journey uh, tomorrow. Yeah, and look, we know what he did at Notre Dame and obviously transcended multiple quarterbacks, but in this league, this league is tougher than what Notre Dame – had to do on a year-in, year-out basis. I mean, Notre Dame certainly had some seasons, four or five ranked games, but that was not every year. And some of their traditional rivals like a Stanford just depended on the year. 10, 15 years ago, Stanford was having a good run of it. The last six or seven, eight years, Stanford's not been any good. So uh, some of those things are cyclical in their scheduling, but some years you could pretty much breeze to an automatic 10, and then from there you get to 11 or 12, you go to a, a New Year's Six Bowl, what have you. Uh, and so having to do it in a tougher circumstance, obviously the expectations are every bit as high. There's the ability to recruit. That's great. But, again, there's some very passionate rivalries that LSU has to be a part of that they need to win. And when every coach, whether they've actually been truly good or not, has been able to put you in national championship position since the uh, turn of the century – then you, that's something that you have to do at some point. And look, there's not, I, I think he's done a very adequate job so far. I mean, two years. Uh, last year, went to the SEC title game, did achieve a big success in beating Alabama. And this year, look, nine and three is not spectacular, but it's a top 15 team. Ironically, they'd be number 13, so they'd be the first team uh, left out of the 12 team playoff. But again, like that's right in range. There's nothing really wrong with that. However, it is the fear that, look, if you didn't have Jane Daniels this year, 
with how terrible that defense was, there's no telling what their record would have been. It certainly wouldn't have even been nine and three. So you need to fix defense next year. You need to get a more coherent ground game without the quarterback having to be a huge part of it. And then we're going to evaluate Garrett Nussmeyer. He's going to play in this game. I think he's going to have a great chance at starting for them next year. We'll see. We just really don't know enough about him. He's come in at times. He had to come in the Alabama game. It wasn't awesome, but again, shell shocked having to go from Daniels to Nussmeyer in Tuscaloosa in a pretty close game. That's that's as as tough of a challenge as it gets. So again, I'm not going to grade him all on one or two sequences there, but uh, well, that will be very interesting for sure to see him go up against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was underwhelming this year. It was just year one for Luke Fickle, so give him time, but uh, yeah, that's a game that LSU that will fairly tell LSU's better than Wisconsin with Jane Daniels. Let me let me start out with that. But that will fairly evaluate what the team is without Jane Daniels. Like if, if they can still beat Wisconsin, like okay, then maybe you wouldn't have lost as much as you thought you would. You would have probably lost maybe another game here or there, but you wouldn't have fell off a cliff. But if they lose to seven and five Wisconsin too then, again, not knowing everything that Wisconsin's got playing, not knowing all the players that are, are not playing for LSU, if you lose 7-5 Wisconsin 2, it's like, yeah, you really would have been hovering around missing a bowl or something like that without Daniels this year. So I, I do think it's a nice game for that evaluation. I think it's uh, moving on to the other two, Oregon Liberty. Uh, it's always interesting to me to, to see how these teams play. Last year, Tulane beat USC. It was signaled the beginning of some troublesome times for USC. Uh, and Tulane beat him with Caleb Williams. So you got to give Tulane a lot of credit for that last year. Uh, we have seen that from time to time. But Liberty is going to be up against it. Oregon's, Oregon cares enough to have Bo Nix playing. So, uh, so that's going to be a fair challenge for them. Uh, we'll see how they hold up. They are 16.5-point underdogs. And then Iowa-Tennessee, as we talked about with the Ole Miss-Penn State game, just very, very different types of teams. Uh, Tennessee will not be playing Joe Milton. He... I think the timeliness of this told me that I think that he got benched. They're going to play Nico. I don't know how to say his last name, but five-star <laughs> player. And Joe Milton just kind of saves face and said, ah, fine, I wasn't playing anyway. Uh, and so Milton's not playing. It is their future. So I, that makes me even more excited. Like, go ahead and give me the next guy. That's why I'm saying to me, I keep pounding home the point, it is a little bit of 2023's team and a little bit of 2024's team. And having the quarterback that they're going to use next year to try to help transition, that gives me a clue on what maybe I can expect or not expect. Because the one thing Iowa still is, is they are a very good defensive team. They just, like, we can't joke about their offense as much as we do, <laughs> and they still win 10 football games. Actually, uh, yeah, oh, 10 it's, football it's, games. An, it's incredible how they've managed to – I think they some metric that their offense has put up this year, the best finish that a team has ever had putting up whatever that metric is, finished like five and seven. <laughs> and then this Iowa team won ten games. It's incredible. Yeah. So this is gonna be a great test for Nico and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Again, very different styles. Iowa wants a fifteen play, fifty seven yard drive. Seven and a half minutes, field yeah. goal or touchdown, they, doesn't matter to they them. They want to hold the ball for an entire quarter, kick a field goal, and then make you go three and out, and yep. then do it again. And they're perfectly content going into halftime up six to nothing, and you've run three plays. Right. And, and look, it's not going to mean in the second half they're, they're going to start scoring a bunch of points because you're <laughs> tired. They still won't score a lot. But again, you can't score if you don't have the ball. And of course, with Heupel's speed, he's tr he, part of doing up-tempo is to tire the other team out. You yep. can't get tired if they... 
keep themselves, keep their offense on the field. So, again, that's a perfect clash of styles there. So, again, we're really getting true Big Ten football versus, again, pretty much true SEC football with the Ole Miss-Penn State game and Tennessee and Iowa matchups right there. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out here of hour number three when we come back. We'll talk playoff, Alabama-Michigan, Texas-Washington, key matchups and what to expect from those two games coming up next here on the Friday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, the Tiger Communications app, or if you're listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Daughtry with you here on this Friday, the final show of the 2023 year. Again, no show next Monday. We also want to remind you as we're turning over into a new year uh, that the Sports Call survey is available to be taken on all of our social media, uh, the Twitter at Sports Call AU, uh, the Facebook and Instagram, all at Sports Call Auburn. And so we've got uh, that ability there. We also got it on the Tiger.fm. And again, it's just nine questions, eight multiple choice. Would love for you to fill it out. Uh, tell us what we're doing well, what we're not doing so well, and help us make any changes necessary in 2024. And we certainly have a couple more weeks of that being available for you to fill out. And uh, would really appreciate any and all feedback. All right, so we go on to the last two games on January 1st, which, of course, the last two games, they've, they've done it successfully to where all the bowl games will get played, and then you have the playoffs. you got the two playoff games on the first, the national title game on January the 8th. Alabama-Michigan up first. So, Brent, your thoughts on that one? This is such a weird game because it feels like the the styles should be swapped, right? Michigan is the team that comes in with, we're going to throw the ball 12 times, we're going to run it down your throat, we're going to play really solid defense. And that was what Nick Saban made his name doing when he first got, got to Alabama. That was what he wanted to do. And he's evolved, and he's he's gone to more of an offensive stylings. And yes, he's still a defensive guy. But he understands that you you can win with great offense now and, and in addition to playing great defense. When you look at the metrics of this, pretty much all of them say Michigan should win. I think that Michigan is the more talented team. I think they're more stable. I think the way they want to win is more replicable than the way that Alabama tries to do it. I think that they have had better performances, and I think that Alabama has looked stunningly human against some mediocre teams this year, not not the least of which was when they needed a last-second miracle to beat a 6-6 six and six Auburn team. And yet every part of my body is screaming that Alabama's going to win this game. And I, I can't come up with a head reason for it other than 
I don't know, maybe they play in the SEC and that's making me feel this way. Maybe it's just because we've seen Alabama do this type of thing before. They they get into a game where they should lose the matchup, but they end up winning it anyway just because they're Alabama. And I I don't know if that's going to happen again. This feels like this is just a much better Michigan team, and yet I can't shake the feeling that Alabama is just going to out-football them. Here's the problem so I, I, there's one thing that I've been beating a dead horse with, and I'll uh, beat the dead horse one more time in just a second. Give it a whack. But beyond that, before I get to that, here's the thing that troubles me about Michigan. It's everything outside of Big Ten play for them because they don't play big-time non-conference matchups. Great. East Carolina, awesome, good for you. But everything we think of with Michigan is relative to how we think about how they performed against the Big Ten. The Big Ten was not awesome this year. Yeah. Ohio it was State. A, it was a one game season for them. Sure. Ohio State was still really good, and Penn State was pretty good. But the number four team in the Big Ten was probably Iowa. And again, they have an entire unit of football that is one of the worst football in the entire country. And that team went 10 wins. And some other reliable programs like Michigan State and Wisconsin were not great this year. Again, Wisconsin 7-5. and five. Michigan State didn't make a bowl. Like, the middle of the Big Ten was really bad this year. Objectively speaking, there was no middle to that league. It was three to four good teams and then a huge drop. And so my problem is when I've seen Michigan for a few years now, not do anything of substance in big bowl games. They they obviously not won a playoff game, but okay, they just recently went. They did lose to TCU. When they play Alabama in the Citrus Bowl, what, four years ago, whatever, and, and get beat pretty easily. I think the stat is they've lost like five or six straight bowl games. Like there's something about them that does not translate out of that league. They have perfected how to win in that league. But they have not spent enough time figuring out what wins outside of that league. And so why that is, is because they are a little too stuck in the mud. They are a little bit 2009-10 in how they run offense. And they're really good in that space, and that's awesome. But now I'm going to beat the dead horse point. That type of offense does not scare Nick Saban or Kirby Smart led defenses. It does not do that. And the reason is is that those extra talented, super talented five-star, four-star players that they have, they're taught all about discipline and assignment. Like you are going to play your assignment. You are going to fit this gap. You're going to dominate this matchup. This is what you will do. And so unless you do something to confuse them and confuse that, you don't beat that defense. And what do pro-style offenses and and stuff under center do? They just try to line up and out-execute you. And you don't out-execute them. You don't do it. That's why they got to have the chaos plays. That's why you have to have drunken Iron Bowls. Or you've (laughs) got to have drunken Manziel or Tebow or whatever. Even the stuff back to when they were trying to win 10-7 to type of games or or 14-13 type of games. You can't have one dimension and out-execute Alabama with that one dimension, especially not in that type of system. And so I, I'm sorry. like Their offense to me is incredibly unappealing to go figure out Alabama because also the truth is is that Jalen Milrow is plenty good enough 
to where he's going to get his. You're not going to beat them 13-10. I'm sorry it won't happen. That's why they changed their offense, so that you could not beat them in that way. And so they're going to – maybe they don't score 40 points, but they're going to score 28, 27, 30, somewhere in there. That's just as a baseline. And so is Michigan going to have four 70-yard drives on Alabama where they actually over out-exert out and enforce their will? I'm sorry, I don't buy that. And I've never bought it, and I don't buy, I'm not going to buy it now against Alabama and Georgia-type defenses. I'm just not going to. And so I think that they will probably struggle all game offensively, and it'll just be up to Michigan's defense. And maybe Jay Milrow, hopefully, have, hope, they're going to hope that he has a couple more early season moments than late season moments. Because again, Michigan's not scoring 35 points in this game unless Alabama does ungodly stupid things on offense themselves. They turn over for a, a pick six, they have uh, a special teams blunder and all that. I, I would be flabbergasted. And look, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Michigan wins by a million points. I don't even like Michigan. I'm, I'm going to root for Washington or Texas, either one of them against Michigan. I don't I don't care. I don't like Michigan either. So just so we're clear on that. But I just don't respect teams that box themselves into, again, the tight formations of the early 2000s and say, we're just going to push you off the line of scrimmage. No, you never push those guys off the line of scrimmage. You have to confuse those guys. You have to see Nick Saban running down the sideline saying, where the hell were you and all that sort of stuff. That's what you do against them. But you don't just line up and say, I formation, five yards. I formation, five yards. They're going to make it one yard and two yard, and then it's third and six, and then your obvious passing situation is not going to go well because you're not used to obvious passing situations. So, again, I know I'm passionate about that. Maybe there's like an ounce of frustration that this <laughs> that, that I'm so convicted that they're going to end up in the title game. Boring but. football doesn't work anymore. It's gone from effective to just boring. I I mean yeah I mean just even Georgia who granted like they have a more pro style stuff than the average team I mean they're still doing a bunch of uh, a bunch of concepts that you could still consider 10 15 years old and that sort of thing they still just have unbelievable athletes their receivers and tight ends and their running backs they're all going pro like as Michigan, all their all their skill position players going pro. Like if they are, it's like seventh round. It's not the guys that you, you I, see I on think, Sundays. I think Blake Corum could, but he's kind of the, he's sure. the only player other than JJ McCarthy on that offense that yeah. I've heard of. They're you know? not worried about their stuff out wide. Yeah, and again, you're you just there's not many teams that just go five yards at a time down on them doing it one particular way, and so. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> For that reason, I've still got to pick Alabama. I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, I, I think that for what it's worth, this is one of the weakest Alabama teams in 15 years, which is ungodly to say because it could still win the national title. Oh, absolutely. But there's been four or five times where they've been 14 points better than anyone else in the country, just, just as a blanket statement. And they are not that this year, but for the sake of this matchup, I don't like the matchup for Michigan. I don't like the style against them. You know, we, we talked with Terry on this show yesterday, and he, he has a longstanding belief that you cannot win championships with defense anymore. I don't think that's necessarily true. I just think the definition of winning with defense has changed because you cannot have an offense that puts up 13 points a game and win, but you don't have to have an offense that puts up 50. Right At this point, pedestrian offenses – 
put up about 20 to 28 points a game. That's that is like your baseline for being a halfway decent team. You have a bad offense if you're only scoring three to four touchdowns. That's that's how far offense has come. Uh, you can still win it with defenses, but a good defense will hold a team not to zero points, but to 17 points, to 21 points. Just the way the game has changed has changed the definition of winning with offense and winning with defense. And I think that you know, it, foot, football is just a constantly evolving game. We've known that for years now. People used to run the Notre Dame box, right? Um, and and now we're seeing uh, we're going to see Tennessee and Iowa. That's that's going to be. It kind of a, a matchup of two teams on very different ends of the spectrum, one very modern and one very rock fighty. Uh, and I, I think that that's that that's kind of where Michigan, to your point, is is kind of getting stuck. They are stuck in the early 2000s and that wins where they are. They will have good season after good season and then they will play a team that does want to spread them out a little bit and they can't handle it because they're not used to it. And they're not built for it. So that's Alabama-Michigan. That's the first game of the playoff four. And then at the nightcap, 745, you've got Texas and Washington. Washington undefeated all season long. Uh, a team that I'll admit again, I thought that if they played Oregon a second time, Oregon would win. That was an example of someone that was able to win that second time. So kudos to Washington for that. Uh, and then a Texas team that uh, survived a little bit of midseason uh, stuff there. They did lose the the close one, the heartbreaker to Oklahoma. Uh, they did sustain an injury to Quinn Ewers that had him miss a couple games. They got through that, and then they really flexed once he came back. They absolutely drubbed Texas Tech, and they had no problems disposing of Oklahoma State uh, to win their last Big 12 championship. How do you see this one playing out? Well, <clears throat> there's no stuck in the 2010s here. These are two very modern offenses. I think this is going to be a very fun game. I I think Texas will win, and I'll tell you the matchup that makes me think that is Washington's O-line versus Texas's D-line. I think Washington has a perfectly fine offensive line. They are certainly not a weakness. They are good enough to go through an undefeated season. They played really well against Oregon, who I think had the best line on both sides in the Pac-12. And, and like you said earlier, I was with you that if they played a second time, especially on a neutral field, Oregon would win that matchup. So absolutely kudos to Washington for, for everything that they've done. Texas's defensive line is insane. They are really good, they are really big, and they are really fast. And I think that that's just going to give Washington trouble. It's going to be to the level that they have not seen yet this year. I think that up and down that line, that matchup is just going to be an issue for them. Because that is where that is really where Texas's defense has made its money. Uh, a lot of talk about Quinn Ewers, and certainly he's had a great season. And you can't have a great season like they've had without a really good offense at this point. We just went over that. But I, I think the Texas's defensive line is going to make life a little bit uncomfortable for Washington's offense. I still think Washington will get theirs. I think they are too good not to. Michael Penix has been incredible. Uh, it's it just him, him and Jaden Daniels. I did not think would have success transferring to. Uh, more established football programs, and they both really proved me wrong. Uh, really great performances by both of them this year, especially by Daniels. But it, the the job that Jaden Penick, or excuse me, the job that Michael Penix has done, I think that they are going to score. They're going to get theirs, but I just think that Texas's defense is going to do enough to stop them, and I think Texas is going to come out of that one. You know, the interesting matchup here. I'm not promising you that this will be a determining factor, but it's something I'm going to keep an eye on. 
is that these teams are perceived to really be led by their quarterbacks, and they are, but they both have running backs with eerily similar production, uh, eerily similar production values. Jonathan Brooks of Texas, 1,139 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns. Dylan Johnson of Washington, 1,113 yards rushing, 14 touchdowns. So they're both within about 30 yards of each other rushing for over 1,100 yards and both in double-digit touchdowns. So keep that in mind. If one team is just selling out all pass, there might be some opportunity there to surprise with the run. But I think that what we're looking at here is who makes the most uh, amount of explosive plays because both offenses are very capable in that. If you think about early this year when Texas did beat Alabama, that's kind of how they did it. They did have a couple drives, but for the most part, Texas did not run well in that game. What they did well is they hit three or four pretty darn solid deep balls, what Quinn Ewers threw, and he has been one of the best deep ball throwers in the entire country, uh, even even dating back to last year. He's always thrown a beautiful deep ball. Whereas Penix, too, with just the sheer volume of plays that he makes, over 4,000 passing yards this year, each team's ability to hit those deep balls is going to come into a lot of focus. What also comes in focus when you're trying to throw passes 30 yards down the field, as you said, is those offensive lines and, and and the ability to rush the passer. So, again, that is so much a mission on these defensive and offensive lines because I'm going to feel very good if I'm Michael Penix or if I'm Quinn Ewers. If I get four to five seconds, you will not stop us. We will make the plays and we'll score points. So it's really on those defensive fronts to help out their defensive backfields and make it just a count quicker. Because Oklahoma did some of that two years. They got him just a little bit quick. He turned the ball over a couple times in that game, and it was just off by a count. But if you're going to let him just survey the land and then take his shots, again, like I said, I, I really respect his deep passing ability. So uh, those defensive lines trying to just throw the timing off by a count will be very important in my opinion. And I, I think that when you're looking at the overall matchup, I do think Texas is a little bit better. I think that they are able to do a few more things that are that are hard to defend. And I think that, as you said, I think they've got a little bit more defensive prowess too. Uh, but look, Penix is is apt to have a game here. Uh, he uh, was, was excellent there in the Pac-12 title game. He Obviously had an amazing season. Uh, he was the reason Tom Allen kept his job a couple extra years at Indiana. <laughs> uh, the, the good year he had there. Uh, he, he's responsible for a lot. So I'm leaning Texas on this one. I'm certainly not as confident as I am in the Alabama-Michigan game. Uh, but let me ask you this too, Brent, before we move on. Uh, if, if I had to get you down to an over and under for the score, Ooh. what? Because this one has the potential to be a good bit more high scoring than the earlier game. Mm-hmm. About what kind of score are we looking at here? Oh, I don't know. 75, I think, would be a solid over under. I think. So that'd be about 41 34? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that that's very reasonable. To, to your point, uh, both of these teams very able to hit those big plays. Uh, they, they have incredible athletes. Um, Roma Dunze at Washington has been electric to watch. Anytime, anytime you watch Washington, that wide receiver just jumps out at you. Uh, and I, I think that with the ability that they have, I think this will be a very high-scoring game. And I think it's like I said earlier. I think that it's going to come down to if Texas does win, it's because they get the stop when they need to, or they get a string of stops when they need to. 
Yeah, I'm thinking along those lines. I'd probably go a little bit less. I know Vegas is what going with uh, what sixty three and a half as the over under. I was thinking somewhere high sixties to about seventy even, um, something in the thirty eight thirty one range, something in there. Uh, you know, I think that I, I I would be shocked if this one, like I said, was was the same type of score as Alabama Michigan. Alabama might get a score that's that's close to one of these two teams. I'm not really counting on Michigan to do that for reasons I've already discussed. <laughs> um, but I think both these teams should at least be into the four score. Yep. Party uh, three touchdowns and field goal only be twenty four, but uh, I think everyone's at least in the upper twenties or so here. Uh, and then does does someone get pushing forty or fifty? Well, that depends on the big plays. It depends if you hit five instead of two or four instead of one or, or whatever. But uh, I, I think that both teams' defenses are really going to have to step up, and it's not going to be the entirety of one's defense that helps them in this game it's going to be one particular unit and again as i just said i think it really needs to be even though you usually think pass defense you think secondary i just think these quarterbacks are too great to just be able to lock them up and defend them for five seconds every play and for 40 pass attempts i think they're going to have to rush them and get them down the ground three four five times and make their life a little bit more difficult from the get-go of the play we're going to take our final time out here of this Friday edition of the program, the final show in 2023. That was a look at the college football playoff. When we come back, we'll look back on a couple of things in the world of sports and the world of sports call in 2023, and we'll wrap up the show for the week and for the year. That is next here on Tiger 95.9. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy and Brant Dontry with you here on this Friday edition of the program. Just a few minutes left here uh, in this hour of the show and in this show for 2023 as we uh, only have about seven, eight, nine minutes left here in this show. And it's been a fun one. It's been another fun year of Sports Call. Again, want to encourage everybody uh, out there to again take the sports call survey so that we can figure out how to be better in 2024 uh, good or bad we welcome it all it's only a nine question survey and i uh, would really appreciate everyone filling that out again that's available on our socials uh, at sports call au and twitter sports call auburn facebook instagram and the tiger.fm website we have time for one more quick phone call here in the year 2023 at 334-887 3401 locally or toll free 1889 Tiger 9. Next up on the show, Russell from Auburn. Russell is with us. Russell, how are you today? 
Hey, guys. Well, last call, I guess. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, I hadn't forgot about y'all. Hope you hadn't forgot about me. Um, we have not. We certainly have I, not. I listen to y'all, even if I don't call in. But um, just want to chime in on that. I don't know, man. I I think that um, I think the over under is a little high on that game. I, every time there's a game like this that seems like it's going to be a high scoring game for some reason, the defenses show up, you know, and make people kick field goals. So I'm 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 taking the under on that Washington game. Um, yeah. So it, I, obviously, I I, I kind of feel like you do about Alabama. I think Alabama's going to win, but. Give me Texas. I, I want to see Texas and Alabama play again. Um, I'm thinking more like 30, 33-24, something like that. And there's a lot of field goals maybe that have been kicked. Um, I don't know. I, I think Texas is going to win. I, I think it'll be Texas-Alabama again for the national championship. Yeah, and those two teams obviously have a lot of linkage here in, in the last couple of years, but then also, also with the 9 title game. So that would be uh, another interesting referendum on can you beat a good team twice and that sort of thing, and how much did Alabama improve throughout the year, how much uh, better was Texas at that point, how much did they get better throughout the year. And, you know, I, I, as far as the line, I, I think it's interesting. I think you're right in a lot of cases. I think that I think it's always our nature to bet the over, and then you realize that the under cash is probably a little bit more than the over. Uh, my thought is that that not only do you have two of the best quarterbacks in the in the country here, uh, as I mentioned at the start, you also have two really good running backs. So my my hope would be if you were looking for a higher scoring game, that if for whatever reason one of the quarterbacks was a little off or it was harder to score in the red zone, that you do have a pair of 1,100-yard running backs there that might be able to get the tough yards at the at the end of these drives. But, I mean, you're right that in the biggest games, look, the defenses are understanding that we all think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game, and they're not going to exactly. like that. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, again, I watched a lot of college football – and hopefully Auburn can pull out a win tomorrow because that will be huge going into next season, especially with who they're having to play, considering we're having to replace a lot of people even in this game, much less going into the next game. But I just – I don't know. I watch a lot of college football, and every time I feel like, oh, Washington's got this great offense. I mean, even like Washington's defense, like look what they did to Oregon. You know, I mean, Oregon's offense in that championship game coming into that was scoring, you know – 40, 50, 60 points a game, and look at what Washington's all, our defense did to their offense. You know, just shut them down. I mean, all, and we all know how good Bo Nix is and whatnot, and it's just like, if you look at it and you're like, yeah, I think they're going to score a lot of points, but realistically, Washington's defense is really good. And, and, and not to mention, Texas' defense has been solid all year long, so if it was me just this is just my opinion obviously i'm i'm with the under i mean that's just me so i don't know i just had to chime in on that i appreciate you guys and what you do obviously happy holidays merry christmas happy new year to you guys and hopefully we get a win tomorrow and we'll talk again next year guys war eagle war eagle russell we certainly appreciate that phone call and we wish you a very uh happy holidays a very uh, merry christmas although it's already 
uh, sadly gone away. And then obviously a very happy new year. We appreciate you for listening, listening in and calling in Russell. That is Russell from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. I thought he made some good points there for sure. I mean, that that Texas defense, again, you can't blow people out 63-42. to 42. Uh, Texas blew out Texas Tech with uh, definitive defense in that one. And even against Oklahoma State, allowing 21, nothing to be ashamed of in this day and age. So, yeah, I mean, that Texas defense is for real. Uh, he, he was bordering on convincing me. I, I feel like I can't be <laughs> that easily swayed, so I'm going to kind of – I want to hold on and maybe just adjust and say just a teeny bit over a uh, question mark, but uh, he made some really good points there for sure. Oh, absolutely. These these are two really good defenses. They're two complete football teams. I, you know, and I I don't think that if if this is more of a defensive slugfest, it would shock me just because of how good these offenses are. But certainly the defenses can't be overlooked in this one. Hey, he's he's got really good points. I I made the point about how good Texas's defensive line is, and he's right that Washington limited Oregon's very successful offense uh, twice. So certainly is possible for them uh, <clears throat> for the, for them to have a defensive game. Uh, yeah, real quick, I uh, got to do a real quick nightly TV guy, and we'll live uh, one or two memories uh, real quick of the 2023 year. But uh, again, the TV guy presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Obviously got the big New Year's Six Bowl tonight, number nine, Missouri, number seven, Ohio State. That is a seven o'clock ESPN game. Uh, that's the first game up of the New Year's Six. Obviously, we'll get going with more of those uh, tomorrow. And then a couple other picks for you tonight uh, as you've got uh, more movie picks. Thor Ragnarok, 615 good. on TNT. Good National movie. Treasure, 7 o'clock on FX. Also good. And American Sniper, 7 o'clock on HBO. I've never seen American Sniper. I've heard it's really good. I've seen parts of it, and I've enjoyed the parts that I've seen. And that's the Nightly TV. I present my White Claw Hard Seltzer. So, again, minute or two left of the show. Uh, as we wind down sports call for the 2023, I know it's a big picture question. It's tough <laughs> to do this on the fly, Brant, but favorite sports memory from 2023 or something that happened on the show or just just a- any sort of memory in the sports world that you'll uh, leave with? Uh, for me personally, um, it was getting to go cover games for the first time with with this company in 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 preparation for this show, getting to go to games, sit in the press box. That was something that when I started working here, I was like, okay, this is something pretty cool that I'm going to be able to do is be able to go to college football games, college basketball games, and get paid to do it and to to, to cover these games and you know take part in, in what this company does. And that finally happened this year uh, in, in my third football season uh, in Auburn and, and finally getting to do that. Um, th- we... we talked about it a lot you know sometimes things aren't always convenient the press box is glassed in the food's maybe not the best you know it, it, all all things that we go huh maybe maybe we'd like these things to be better but also i i personally don't ever want to lose sight of how cool it is of the the experiences that i'm getting to take in um the things that i'm able to do because of this show because of this company uh hopefully uh, advancing my career and in, in trying to become a, a professional play-by-play guy um, and getting to work with this company has been a big part of that. And 2023 was probably the biggest step that I've taken since getting this job, both in getting to do that and uh, going back to school and, and working on a master's degree at, at the same time. That's 2023 was a, a big step forward for me, and uh, Sports Call was kind of at the heart of all of it. Absolutely, man. And uh, we're glad that able to be more a part of that, and we're going to continue to – Make sure we're all getting these opportunities to do that because you're right, it is very cool for sure. 
I know for me personally, again, this is my first year running the show. Uh, I'd been on the show since 2018 with, with JJ as the show host. Obviously, this time last year was, was pretty darn emotional uh, to say goodbye in a professional capacity to what JJ had taught us and, and led us through over the last few years. So uh, I'm just very thankful for my position here, for all the people that are here that put in a lot of hours. And again, I would vouch for each and every one of these guys for what they do, not only what you hear for three hours a day, but the the countless hours of work that they do, uh, doing things behind the scenes from stuff like Brant recording a player of the week each and every week to taking care, care of things on our website to Brooks who uh, puts in all of our, our show music, does logs for us, does commercials, does all those things. Uh, and, and all these guys that, that run boards for shows or for high school sporting events that call these games. I'm really appreciative uh, of this station, of this company's hard work. And as the sports director and, and show host here, again, I can tell you that all these guys work really hard. So I've been blessed uh, to be able to be a part of this crew uh, in a sense, lead this crew, but also it makes it very easy in the position I am with how hard these guys work and how good of a job they do. So that's something I'll take away from my first year in this seat and from the year 2023. Again, it, it does take the whole team, and I'm very appreciative of the whole team for sure. We're also, as a sports call here, we're very appreciative of you, the listener, the caller. You are so important to us. We could not do this show without you. And so we really do appreciate all the calls, all the messages, uh, again, all the listens, obviously. And uh, we're certainly hoping that everyone out there does have a very happy new year. And we hope you'll bring, be along for the ride with us in 2024. That will do it for the show today and for 2023. Brent Daughtry, again, thank you for all that you've done here in 2023. And you you too, man, to, to have to do school and this. <laughs> that is a lot of hard work. I certainly appreciate you, and I hope you have a happy new year. Thank you for having me. Happy new year, everybody. Again, that does it for the show today. We will not have a show next Monday. We will be back with a full three-hour show on Tuesday. As always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in, not only today, but all year long. For Brant Daughtry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. I hope everyone has a happy new year, and we'll talk to you again in 2024.